Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. I had a thought in my head that we wouldn't do the stupid, like, crack den jokes, and Evan got onto the call. Like he he joined the 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 video call and he started speaking before his audio was even picking up and he was halfway through a sentence making a joke about uh, a bowl like smoking crack and the crack den and it will never not be funny and now it will always be topical. <laughs> Look, yeah, people who who say like that's going to be a thing and that's why they don't want the team to be called the Kraken. You have a hundred percent. You have a point that will forever be a thing. There is a thing for every team name the red wings will forever be known as the dead wings by anyone who wants to call them that the sock eyes would have been the suck eyes or something even more clever every team will have it but at least it's not such a stupid team name like the golden knights the nhl opened the door when they allowed gritty to be a mascot they have fully embraced it they have to take the good and the bad and the weird at this honestly point. Gritty is probably trying to weigh the, the pros and cons of not just switching over to Seattle. It fits his motif a little bit more. It's true. This is truly marketing 101, though. Don't overthink it. Just give the people what they want. Repercussions be damned. So this episode was supposed to be purely based on the, the mock draft that uh, we recorded yesterday. And we're going to put in this episode um, with Maxim Prashanth from The Athletic. Um but and we're still obviously going to get to that, and that's going to be the bulk of what you hear today. But we are going to lend time first uh, to this Seattle Kraken reveal. Uh, before we do that, uh, quick intro for those of you who still can't tell our voices apart or any new listeners who um, are at the beginnings of not being able to tell our voices apart. I'm Ryan Hanna. I might actually smell like a crack den. And I'm Evan. And you can see why nobody knows who anyone is. <laughs> Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. <laughs> Oh, something fell. Um, it's in it's in my best interest for people to not know who I am. So, the uh, mock draft that we're going to get to is a lot of fun and really great. And I regret my picks instantly, which is why you know it's a good one. But before that, the uh, NHL team from Seattle, the NHL hockey team, <laughs> man. Small aside here, I I kind of dig the Washington football team. No, I know it's a placeholder. No, the Seattle place Washington holder. Redskins, that team name? Yeah, the Seattle <laughs> yeah. Washington Redskins. That's exactly what they're going to pick. Just like the uh well, no, they're going to go with the Seattle Edmonton Eskimos. Well, the 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 numbers on the helmets look cool. Anyways, anyways, the NHL team from Seattle um, put out a teaser yesterday of what uh the, to to say that they're going to announce their team name and their jerseys. And they threw a lot of curveballs at people. They use the color scheme of the literal, like the literal color scheme of the fish, the sockeye salmon. I believe it's a salmon. And it's like this tealish, it's like a teal and pink fish. And uh, there was like that kind of imagery everywhere. It was a very like bright video, very soft. There was a fishing net. It used those colors. And I was like, oh, they're going to go with the boring sockeye. And even on the website, they threw in like a lot of little Easter eggs to say like, oh, it's going to be the sockeye. And today, the moment they started their reveal video and it was dark and there was pirate ships and there was waves and then he talked about the unknown, I knew it was true. They did the right thing. The Seattle Kraken are coming to the NHL. I 
love it. I it's gimmicky, it's weird. Old hockey men are gonna hate it, and that makes me love it all that much more. Yeah, it's not like Sockeye would have been so neutral. I'll, I'll I'll come out and say it. I talked myself into being okay with it. The Sockeye or Sockeyes, however they chose to pluralize it, would have been neutral and fine enough. Where yeah, it probably would have been timeless. But who cares? The Kraken is so much more fun. The brand is so much better. And holy shit, did they nail the logos? Oh, like this. Remember that Patreon exclusive episode where we did jersey tiers? Yeah, this goes straight into elite. I yeah, they are S tier because it stands for stiff. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> stands for Seattle Sockeye. Everything stick. about that jersey is amazing. The secondary logo with the anchor that's like stylized with their um, uh, typeface or font, and then it has the space needle as the top of the anchor is just so perfect. And then the negative space in the S that's the tentacle is like, Oh, I love, I love some negative space in logos. Like the, the whale's tail and the Hartford whalers, the arrow and the FedEx logo, that kind of stuff. Like, mm. and they just crushed that. My only gripe. And the only thing I would have wanted is instead of the blue to go with a green, you know, yeah, it, it doesn't feel Seattle-ish to not have a good amount of green in it. But that being said, like, this is a, a unique color scheme. Like, there's no other team in the NHL that has, well, if we're being honest, anything even close to this, really. And then you factor in that the actual colors work well together and they're beautiful. And they, they still have, like, the dark blue, which is uh, pretty prevalent um color in seattle sports it still works and also with the color scheme they picked if they like did a third jersey where they inverse the colors it would look a lot like the detroit little caesars jerseys and those are a plus jerseys so the the possibilities here are endless and it's amazing and you know that the little caesars team are um good teams to be modeled after their freaking logos on the roof of the lca exactly (laughs) i actually don't know if that's the logo they use on their jerseys um i i actually off the top of my head i actually can't remember they they did talk about the um the kraken slowly revealing itself over time and the brand is going to evolve which means that they're going to have the third jersey with the kraken on it which is going to be metal it is going to be badass i am instantly buying the seattle kraken jersey of whatever red wings player they select I don't like I don't care what player it is. I well, legitimately don't care if I like the player or not. I'm buying well, it. With how much you've been pumping up Gustav Lindstrom, this is gonna work out very well for you. You're such a piece of shit. Buddy, you know that's who they're taking. It's gonna be Danny DeKaiser. They have a cap floor to meet, and he's a perfectly fine defenseman. They'll see it as veteran stability. They're taking Danny DeKaiser. Steve Weisman might have to throw in a fifth round pick to make it work. Bold of you to assume that Detroit wouldn't protect him. Eh, I don't know if they would. I don't know that they would. Just saying. Okay, so um, for people who don't like the Seattle Kraken, for the reasons Brad mentioned, it's gimmicky. It's not. It doesn't fit. Uh, it, it won't age well. Look, I don't care if you're right. You probably are. It's just fun as hell. It's something cool. It's something different. And if we had to suffer through the Golden Knights, then we can have the Kraken. And uh, I know the Golden Knights have a military um, association, but... It doesn't matter. It's still a stupid team name. All sports team names are stupid. 
I, I saw the argument a lot. It's for kids. Yeah. Here's the thing. Sports are kind of for kids. Who's got the money? Kids. Do kids have <laughs> money to buy the tickets? No, their parents do. Do the kids buy the jerseys? Maybe a couple. Technically, technically What's speaking. Your point? <laughs> hold on. Do, ch- do children buy the million dollar boxes at the arenas? Do a? the children buy the season tickets? No. So they can jump in a ball pit. See, here's the thing. A, the children are the ones who talk the parents into buying everything. Uh, and B, uh, based on a majority of the population, and I can include myself on this, my daughter's and son's net worth is higher than mine because they have like a couple hundred dollars in their bank account and I have debt. Yeah, they spend less on <laughs> recreational hockey than you do. Uh, it was only 20 bucks for the hour tonight. That wasn't bad. Uh, <laughs> Evan, please never do that again. Do what? Make a point and make Brad be the voice of reason. It's jarring to me, and I didn't understand what was happening. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, look, you're, anyone who hates it, yeah, fine. I, I get it. It's not your your cup of tea. But then there's 30 other teams in the league, or 31 other teams in the league for you to, like, maybe take the Sharks out of that. I don't know. There's plenty of teams, plenty of teams whose names are stupid. Just don't pay attention to this one, or hate them arbitrarily for it. But know that there's a large contingent of people who had to eat a lot of crow today because we thought the NHL was not cool enough to do this. I had a tweet drafted with the uh, a Seattle Kraken mock-up next to a Las Vegas Flamingos mock-up saying, rest in peace, Kraken. You're going to the NHL's not cool enough to do this uh, team name in Jersey graveyard. And I was so happy to delete it. Yeah. And again, it's, it's sports. It's supposed to be fun. And like you want your team to portray tough and intimidating. And you know what's not tough and intimidating? A fish. A crackhead. <laughs> a skinny crack pretty dude, scary crackhead. yeah would you want okay. to run into one of them in a dark alley i would absolutely not i'll take my Look. chance with the kraken <laughs> <laughs> the 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 thing is there's uh now red wings fans who are concerned that seattle is going to take up the tradition of throwing octopi on the ice um if they do that no one can stop them. But what they should be doing is throwing squid, recognizing the territory, throwing squid, avoiding trying to cross streams here. And then we have a cephalopod, cephalopod bowl every time the Red Wings and the Kraken play. And I know it's corny. And I know some people don't like that, but so are sports. <laughs> so so I thought this would be a, maybe maybe an east-west rivalry for Detroit. But uh, based on Twitter interactions today, maybe this might be our Western bromance. Oh, Seattle's easily my West team now. They I, throw one octopus on the ice. They're now the number one hated team. Yes. Yeah, that also holds true. It will flip on a dime. But I, I still like Vegas. I can't get off the Vegas train. I, I said from their inception that I love the city, so I will love the team, and their jerseys only cemented that. Um, I will have a soft spot for the Kraken because those crazy sons of bitches actually had the balls to call themselves the Kraken, and I will respect that till the day I die. I'm... It do, it genuinely does take balls to do that. Like the 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 spine it takes to walk up to a crusty old milk toast league like the NHL and name a team the Kraken. Yeah, uh, it doesn't make sense. Neither does the Red Wings, but that's the best team name in sports. So uh, so Jerry Bruckheimer, what are you thinking about naming the team after? Uh, mythological squid. <laughs> well, cephalopod like creature. No one knows for sure that it's a squid. Some artistic representation, it's an octopus. Some, it's, you know. Shut How do you pronounce that? Up. 
Evan, you're a ner- nerd. How do you pronounce like Cthulhu or whatever it is? Uh, Cthulhu. It's Cthulhu. Even I knew yeah. that, Ryan. Yeah, I don't like asking you things because there's an off chance that Cthulhu, you're right, yeah. and then I have to recognize that you're right, and you know I don't like that either. Yes, I agree. So besides just the jerseys, and besides just um, raving over the logo and the team name and uh, geeking out, what we will do in the future is start the process of uh, mock expansion drafts. So expect at least one of those to come this summer. That'll probably be a Patreon exclusive. And then we'll be doing more over time as the rules and everything are um, laid out and established and finalized and we can start arguing. No, no. Well... Yeah, maybe. And uh, I forget who it was. Someone, I think it was Eric Duhatchik for The Athletic did his first mock expansion draft, and that's who was going to Seattle. I so did, I'm, I'm not even being argumentative here. That's that's literally a prevailing opinion, it seems, in the hockey world. But why would they protect the Kaiser? Like, if you have, I don't to have think one it, veteran on the team at least. Yeah, but would they even take him? Like, that's a lot of contract to take. Um, yeah, no, I wouldn't take him, but I mean, let's not forget. I, I still do not forgive the Red Wings for protecting Jimmy Howard over Peter Mrazek. So, uh, I know it's a different owner, uh, different management group right now. So I'm, I'm hoping that changes the old school thinking of the Red Wings, but I'm, my brain is still bitter and broken. So until I'm proven wrong, I'm going to assume the worst. Oh, well, I uh, will have this argument later. Anyhow, uh, what we're going to get to now is the uh, next iteration of our uh, mock drafts that we've been doing with uh, Max Boltman and Prashant Iyer from the Athletic Detroit and Wings for Breakfast. Um, good friends of ours, and we usually, you know, shoot the breeze about prospects and players and hockey all the time. So we figured why not take that from a uh, group chat over to a podcast so uh we have that recorded and we're going to cut to that soon um we'll probably do more stuff like this in the future who knows we don't try to make plans anymore because the world has a tendency to to fall apart whenever we do it's uh july and we've had 10 years worth of news so anyhow bef- uh, before i do any a little bit any more introspection our mock draft 32 pick mock draft with max baltman and prashant Iyer of the athletic detroit enjoy all right, guys. Round two. How's everyone doing? Meh. I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> All things considered, pretty good. <laughs> Max sat when Max isn't speaking. He just sits like deadpan, like doesn't move. And I was like, "Is he? Fro- oh no, he's moving. He's alive." <laughs> it's taking years right. of practice to develop that skill. So uh, we, uh, we're actually on a video chat right now, but you guys are only hearing this because of the limitations of technology slash um, our uh, tech budget. So we are joined by Max Baltman and Prashant Iyer of the Athletic Detroit and the Wings for Breakfast podcast, guys. Um, it has been, I don't know how long because time is no longer a real thing to anybody, uh, but probably too long. So good to have you guys back on and nice to do this uh, little round two mock draft. Uh, For anybody who hasn't listened, if you go check out the Wings for Breakfast podcast where Brad and I joined Max and Prashanth on their turf, we did a um, a two round mock actually over on that side. Um, I don't remember the exact date because I'm a terrible friend and I don't have that in front of me. A while ago. So long ago ago. as to not be really that relevant anymore. I'll post it. We'll tweet it. It'll be somewhere on the internet uh so today we are just going to do the first 32 picks um of the draft so that's the first round plus one for no specific reason um 
other than, you know, Detroit picking 32nd. And before we do so, we are going to be uh, deciding our draft order for today. So without further ado, because you, I have not given you guys any kind of ability to prep here. Uh, nobody knows where they're drafting. I have a list randomizer in front of me. It's very official from random.org. And I'm going to randomize our names, and then we're going to know uh, where to go. And, ooh, Brad is not drafting first this time. So Good. the first overall pick actually goes to Prashanth. Brad is picking second. Max, you are taking third, and I have the privilege of drafting fourth for the Red Wings. Seems rigged. It almost definitely is. You guys cannot prove that those were the results in front of me, and I will not offer any receipts. That's fine. That's fine. I'm happy with him. So, Prashanth, if you are ready to go, you can kick us off. Um, knowing that this first overall pick is going to go to the simulated Montreal Canadiens, we are simulated. pretending that they. Yeah, we're pretending that they won that little. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that dog is just as angry about Montreal. Yeah, she does we not are. want Lafreniere in Montreal. Well, yeah, because I was going to put Askarov there, so it's totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you think if we'd like let Askarov fall to the late twenties, if Prashanth would do it? No, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> we I already have a. I told we have you, 160. We agreed. We have a side group chat where we agreed to not take Askarov for as long as possible to see how many ridiculous picks Prashanth would make by he'll, not taking him. He'll use it to prove his point. He's like, see, look. Look how far. Yeah. This is exactly it. And then you can get him at 160th overall and you don't have to worry about it. Uh, Max, you, do you care to introduce uh, the guest that you have with you? I'm sure the listeners want to know who that who that is. That's Olive. That is uh, Cody Stavenhagen's dog, our Tigers writer. Cody is... Uh, in Cincinnati for the Tigers uh, exhibition and then start to the season and he lives up the street. So Olive always stays with us whenever he goes anywhere, which has been not at all lately. So she's back for her uh, triumphant return to what I like to think of as her vacation home. And what does Olive think about uh, Torkelson's future with this team and how soon can he be moving the needle for the Tigers? <laughs> you know, I ask her stuff like that all the time and she just will not reveal anything. She's she's a rock. She's, you know, it, it, she's almost as hard to crack as Steve Eiserman. <laughs> well, Cody, you trained her well. Um, okay, first overall for Montreal. Let's get this thing rolling. Prashanth, take it away. All right, nothing controversial here. It's got to be Alexi Lafreniere. So, first overall. That's right, well. the, the least excited I've ever heard someone yeah. to make. <laughs> well, a he was drafted for Montreal. Yeah. As I, I, the Red Wings I hate it. I hate it. Like it pains me. I'm wearing a Henrik Zetterberg shirt right now, and I'm drafting Alexi Lafreniere for Montreal. This is a terrible thing. By the way, Ryan, before we started, did you specify that? We're not allowed to defend our picks. Like we have to make the pick and then shut up. Are we? Oh yeah, that? that's right. Yeah, actually, let's let's set some those ground rules right now. We're gonna make the picks, and then the other three have the option here of chiming in and criticizing, analyzing, slinging mud and or other uh, materials at the mock GM. Like um, basically, you're gonna be Michael Scott sitting in a chair while I walk up to roast you, and this is gonna be great. So I'm, I'm yeah, very excited about that. You I just like have Brad's to finish point, everything though. with boom roasted. Like yeah. it was like Brad's concept was like when an NHL GM makes their pick, they don't get to, I mean, they may be like two hours after the draft, they can tell the media why they made the pick, but in real time you make your pick and then three talking heads uh, critique it, you know, six ways till Sunday. That's the real, that's the real world. That's yep. why we're all here. Uh, okay. Brad, second overall to LA. 
Um, with the second overall pick, the LA Kings would like to select from the Sudbury Wolves, Quinton Byfield. Boo. Have some fun with it. Loser. <laughs> I can't criticize that pick. I think that's a, absolutely the correct pick. I, I think, think it's the too. right call, too. I, everyone's going to talk about the center depth that they already have, but to me, you, none of them are as good as Quinton Byfield. So if you want to flex one of them to wing, that's fine. If you want to trade one of them, that's fine. But like Quinton Byfield would be their number one, project to be the number one player in the LA Kings franchise at some point. And I don't think you pass up on that because you, you have a really strong farm system down the middle. Yeah, find me a GM who's going to complain about having too many top-end centers. And I'll yeah. find you a lot of GMs willing to overpay for any one of them. Absolutely. You know, they, they're going to have a situation where Alex Turcotte can pan out to almost his absolute ceiling and still might be the second-best center on that team. That's a, a fantastic scenario for the Kings. All right, uh, Max, third overall pick for Ottawa. With the third pick in the draft from Mannheim of the DEL, Tim Stutzla. Firstly, I'm disappointed that you made the correct pick and thus not allowing him to go to Detroit. But secondly, I'm happy you made the right pick because now we actually have to make Ryan think. <laughs> I, I mean, sign up for- you're not going to overreact to the two games you just played against Switzerland where he didn't look that great. Max, I'm a little <laughs> disappointed in you. <laughs> I, 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 had to, uh, I had to not look at Twitter for a little while today just because of... <laughs> It's not, no one's doing anything wrong, but we're just so starved for real hockey content that the <laughs> exhibition games against Switzerland are going to be extrapolated. That's to exactly what's come. happening. Just wait till we get those, you know, September, October regular season games over in Sweden. Lucas Raymond's going to be in discussion for first overall by that point. <laughs> and on that note, fourth overall to the Detroit Red Wings, Steve Eisman's going to get up there and select Lucas Raymond. Thank you. All right, we actually have to break this one down in pretty big depth. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, Raymond probably is. I think multiple people on this panel would say is is the uh, the lean favorite. Uh, maybe not like in terms of likelihood necessarily, but it, I think Brad, you and I, Brad, both would rank Raymond as the next highest player. Yes, I have him fourth on my list. Prashant, you want to make a case for somebody else? Yeah, I mean, you know, you have my list up in front of you, and you know that I Marco do. Rossi <laughs> is. Uh, the guy that I've got on my list uh, ahead of Lucas Raymond. But that being said, I think like your your margins are razor thin between Marco Rossi, Lucas Raymond, and Cole Perfetti, I think are, are the three guys in that tier that should be in competition for the fourth, fourth overall pick. And honestly, you're not going to go wrong with any of them. Like, you know, I have a slight edge for Rossi just because of how, you know, dominant he was this year in the OHL. I really think he's got all of the tools you want at the next level. So does Lucas Raymond, and so does Cole Perfetti, and so you're not you're just not going to make a mistake here. One of the things that strikes me about Raymond is, you know, every prospect who's going to be available at this spot is going to have a question, at least one, maybe two. For me, though, like the one of the big ones about Raymond is sort of the least concerning, which is just you ca- you kind of haven't seen it as much recently, just because of of how little ice time he played. I mean, I think there are questions about kind of how his game will translate, but but again, that kind of comes back to he didn't play as much this year as as teams would have probably liked, and to me, um, that's you know maybe the, the the kind of issue I would be least worried about if I was drafting. And in a player like Lucas Raymond's case, where he did not get a lot yes. of ice time because he was on a top team in a top league. It makes his international tournaments where he's head to head against his peers and not even peers because he played a lot of tournaments as a double underager. Um, the fact that he was just ridiculously dominate dominant in those tournaments has to be considered heavily 
because of his other lack of playing time. And I never draft on need. You always go best player available. That's my mindset. And I, I will go to the grave with that mindset. But out of all the players that are available, Lucas Raymond, in terms of style of play, not necessarily position, is the biggest need for the Red Wings because he is probably the best playmaker that is available at that slot. And the Red Wings have Mantha, Zadina, the shooters in place. And the guys coming up outside of maybe Berggren are more scorers than playmakers. So to get a guy like Raymond to facilitate everybody around them it's going to make everybody that much better, especially with Larkin, who I wouldn't say is a natural playmaker, has had to fill that role with this team. So I, I think not only does Raymond make the team better based on his skill, but I think it's going to allow a couple other forwards to benefit because of playing with him. I think you can make that case for Perfetti too, though, as a guy who could be arguably the best playmaker in the draft because of his sense and also one with, um, albeit maybe not the the likeliest outcome, at least a shot to stick at center and, you know, there's still questions there with skating, and obviously that's going to be a factor in whether he can be center. But I would say he at least has a case as the best playmaker in the draft, too. I could hear that if, argument. If it makes any difference at all, I know I'm not allowed to chime in on my own pick, but no, you're not. No, no, no. Shut up. <laughs> you can talk after the draft like every other GM. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get anything. You will sit there and wait. All right. Them's the rules. Prashanth, you're up next for Ottawa. All right, so this is where things get interesting. Uh, Ottawa already taken Tim Stutzla. They've got you know potential player that they could flex in at center. Although I think at the next level he's a winger. For me, it's it's got to be Marco Rossi here. I mean, adding center depth uh, for them, adding another just high end two way player uh, can play alongside Brady Kachuk. I think he's going to be outstanding for them. And you do that, you've got Kachuk. Stutzla pans out. I mean, Ottawa's legit at that point. I like that pick, and I'm happy that you just didn't just default to Jamie Drysdale. Like every mock I've seen that has Detroit not that has Detroit passing on Drysdale, because oh they got a forward, got to get their defenseman. No, you got to get the two best players. And to me, Marco Rossi is a clear top five player in this draft. So I don't care if the Senators take Byfield, Stutzla, Raymond, whoever. If they end up with two centers in the top five, great. There's their top two centers for the next ten years. It's it's absolutely the right call. Right. And Sutsla might not end up, or sorry, yeah, Sutsla might not end up being a, a center ultimately at the next level. He could end up playing on the wing and you insulate yourself a little bit on that. Someone made this point in the comments of uh, one of my articles today. You know, Rossi also provides the advantage to Ottawa that he's probably a little closer to the NHL. He could potentially play as soon as this next season for them. And while I don't think you should be drafting based on who's going to help you the soonest, I think it's relevant, if nothing else. And uh, I, I like to pick quite a bit. And let's not forget, Ottawa will probably know Marco Rossi better yeah. than any other prospect in this draft. So if they're drafting him, they will have no questions. Yeah, that's the biggest point. They have so much familiarity where if you think that Ottawa is going to make a pick that's not Jamie Drysdale, which seems to be, like Brad mentioned, the consensus uh, amongst the talking heads and those who, who, who pick this thing apart to hell and back, then Rossi makes the most sense there. Um, okay, next up for the Anaheim Ducks, six overall, Brad. With the sixth overall pick, the Anaheim Ducks will select from the Erie Otters, Jamie Drysdale. I think Anaheim's going to be extremely happy if this happened. I mean, I don't, I don't know the last time a defenseman outside the top five. It's at least 10 to 15 years. So I think they'd have to be very happy at this point. I mean, they have some good defensemen, good young defensemen in the system. 
But to get a guy who, who might be the top defenseman in the draft at pick six, I'd have to think that's a pretty favorable outcome for them. Yeah, I think Anaheim lucked out a lot last year by having Trevor Zegers fall all the way to nine uh, and, and then picking him up. And I think they would feel much the same way having uh, someone on the blue line drop to six. You know, you remove the players in front of him or, or you just kind of don't consider who they are. Would you predict that the top defenseman in the draft falls to six? No, like Max mentioned, it just doesn't typically happen. But if there's ever a year where that's going to be the case, there's a hell of a lot of players who you could justify taking in those top five. And that's not a knock on Jamie Drysdale. It's just an extremely stacked top end of this draft. Um, regarding Jamie Drysdale, I'm not sold on him being a McCarr level draft pick. I don't think a lot of people are. Uh, I don't think he's a bona fide number one certainty, but I think that is his ceiling. Like he, he could reach those levels. I think the team that's going to get him is going to get an excellent uh, skating defenseman, an excellent uh, puck distributor, a guy with really, really great offensive scent, uh, sense from the blue line. Um that's probably better than six overall draft value that Anaheim would be getting there. And I don't think any of the te- five teams ahead of him would have done anything wrong for that to happen. Yeah. I mean, Drysdale is an interesting pick for Anaheim because, uh, you know, like you said, Max, the Ducks uh, really do need defensive prospects. Like they've done a good job in years past of getting them. You know, they've drafted guys like Shea Theodore, Josh Manson, things like that. But they just, Right now, their cabinet's completely bare. I mean, they're, you could argue their best defenseman is like Henry Thrun, who they took last year. Um, they're just kind of bare in that sense. And so Drysdale makes a sense, you know, from a lot of perspectives. And, and again, Anaheim just has not had a lot of high picks, so they really got to hit this one out of the park. You know, if Drysdale's who they think is that guy, then then, then that's fine. But I'm going to, you know, shame you because I don't think Drysdale's the guy that should go there. I don't think he's the highest player on my board at this spot necessarily, but I think it's a very realistic, uh, I mean, I guess part of it comes down to, are we drafting for what we think will happen or what, what we would do? But that's always a question in any, any kind of episode like this. Yeah. I mean, I've if you're in on, you can't pass on him, right? You can't pass on, on Drysdale if he's sitting there at six when your best defenseman is Henry Thrun. I've stopped answering the question of, of, uh, are we predicting or are we picking who we think should go? Cause it's impossible because we always blend between the two. So the answer mm-hmm. to that is yes. um okay max you are up seventh overall for the new jersey devils the new jersey devils will select from the united states national team development program defenseman jake sanderson oh couches start burning in new jersey (laughs) so i haven't had to be very critical of any pick so far because the draft went literally in my order of my draft rankings up until here where max has jumped to pick for, to my 14th ranked prospect at seven. So let me start by saying I'm not a Jake Sanderson detractor. The reason I don't have him as a top 10 pick is be, is a matter of ceiling. He is your classic high floor, low ceiling pick to me. Um, and I'm sure he's it's a position of need for New Jersey. They are barren on defense, and they were probably furious that Drysdale went the pick before them. But they have two top 10 picks. If they were so desperate for a defenseman, they could, or two, yeah, two top 10 picks, right? Um, they could have risked getting him at the next pick or even going off the board for another defenseman, which I think I would have preferred New Jersey to do because to me, having Cole Perfetti and Alex Holt still sitting here was way too tempting to pass up on because, man, I, I have a hard time seeing both of them fall out to the top 10, but crazier things have happened. The Red Wings did get Joe Valeno at 30. So 
I mean, what I'm going to say is, I think actually this is a likely scenario. I think it's very likely you see Sanderson and Drysdale go, and you you do see one of Perfetti, Rossi, or Raymond sitting outside of the top seven, and as well as Alexander Holtz and Anton Lundell. Like these are going to be guys that are going to slide, and I think it's very realistic for the reason you said, Brad, that New Jersey again doesn't have a lot of defensemen. They got Ty Smith, not a whole lot else. They've drafted heavily on forwards in the last few years. So, again, if you're thinking about being New Jersey and drafting for need, I mean, this is a pick that makes sense. But I'm, I'm with you. I made my case multiple times that I don't think his ceiling is there. You're kind of throwing a dart and hoping he's Nicholas Jalmerson, but you're kind of hoping or you're kind of expecting that he's not going to be that. Yeah, I, I think Prashant, you nailed that, that even though a lot of people might not have him ranked there personally, it's it's a pretty likely scenario considering everything New Jersey has had going on. Insane draft lottery luck has landed them some top-end talent. Um, before they got rid of Hall, their top line was projected to be absolutely wild. Um, Mackenzie Blackwood came about this year, has really kind of stepped up for them. So do they take that risk of Askarov? Probably not. We already know Jake Sanderson's going to rise. It, it, the writing's been on the wall for a long time. I agree. I don't think his ceiling is there. I don't really, I think his best case scenario, like absolute best case scenario is, you know, a number two guy. Um, but, you know, <laughs> the Red Wings did this with Moritz Sider last year. So, you know, he's going to go in the top 10. I think it'd be a bold pick. I wouldn't agree with it, but I, I also, if you're a New Jersey Devils fan listening to this, um, don't pretend that it can't happen it just from experience <laughs> so here, here's a fun question right for all of us you know who just kind of bashed max for for that pick who's a better defenseman moritz sider or jake sanderson going into the draft mm-hmm. i would have said jake sanderson um mm-hmm. mo mm-hmm. sider has now proven a most of us wrong so for new jersey's sake there's a reasonable chance jake sanderson will do the exact same thing i mean even i can't deny he was picking up steam in his game as the season went on. He showed a good level of progress uh, over the course of the shortened season. So he, who knows what would happen if he had an extra two months of playing, if he had the U18s to play in. Um, What was it? The five nations he led in scoring Mm -hmm. as a defenseman. So there is absolutely an argument to be made that when we say he doesn't have a high ceiling, we're wrong. I haven't seen enough to accept that argument yet, but it can be made. Yeah, and that's kind of what I'm getting at is like, you know, I made this case in our last episode. I just think we do a crappy job of evaluating defensive defensemen. And if you see a guy like Moritz Sider can make that big of a jump in one year, why not Jake Sanderson? If, you know, all of us are kind of saying heading into the draft, he's better than Moritz Sider and he's going to go pick after Sider went at seven years. So it's, you know, you can play it both ways. I think it's a controversial pick in that sense, but I don't know. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't have drafted him fourth overall uh, for Detroit on my own show. I might have gone on your show and, and that's fair. That's you fair. Know, bl- it up like that. No, um, if I was on their show again, picking for Detroit. There's, there's no chance I'm not picking Askarov. <laughs> <laughs> Prashant's face turns as red as his shirt. Oh right yeah. Now. Oh yeah. Uh, eighth overall for Buffalo. I am so tempted. I am so tempted to do it. I actually, there, there would have been scenarios here where I would have said Buffalo might have taken the risk on Askarov, but with all the talent on the board, I actually am struggling between a couple players right now. Um, you don't get to justify it, Ryan. Just make the damn pick. <laughs> we we will justify it. You think yeah, Steven, that's fair. 
You, you think, um, oh, who the hell is our GM? Kevin, Kevin Adams. Adams is walking up there and rambling on like this at the microphone. <laughs> we I were so, so torn on who to take. And this <laughs> is so right. tough. We weren't sold. <laughs> <laughs> we guess. I don't know. I guess Buffalo is going to go up there and take out of Jirgarden Alex Holtz. I don't know. Let's hope it works out. <laughs> That's my actual pick. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think when you look at Dylan Cousins and Jack Eichel as their top two centers of, of the future, Alex Holt slides in really nicely there as as the scorer who can also feed both of those guys who, by the way, can score goals themselves uh, of the future. And I, I think it's a very natural fit. Um, I'm a big fan of Alex Holt's uh, period. I know he gets almost pigeonholed mm-hmm. uh, as a player because of how lethal his shot is and the rest of his game gets heavily underrated because of it. But if we are going to talk about that shot in relation to Buffalo, I, I've never been shy. I'm a fan of load up your first line, load up your power play. I, I see a world when I see Buffalo getting holds, I look at their first power play unit with Eichel in between left shot Olofsson on the right side and right shot Holtz on the left side. That power play, if done right, could be unstoppable. And special teams are such a heavy factor in the NHL these days, they can't be ignored. So if you sit there and say, yeah, he'll be good at five on five, but you're really drafting him for his power play, that's a perfectly acceptable answer with how good Holtz could be. So so fun fun question here. Uh, Buffalo already has Alexander Holtz, right? They have Jeff Skinner. And this is basically what I think Alexander Holtz is uh, to a certain extent, is he's a Jeff Skinner type player, a great offensive player that can score the goal, you know, score goals for you, but he's not going to necessarily change the game from a two-way perspective. And so, you know, or if you're Buffalo and you leave Cole Perfetti on the board, a guy who's, again, got a little bit more of a robust two-way game or at least touted robust two-way game, is that is that fair? A guy that can also potentially play center for you? Um, we don't know. But, I mean, to me, I, I don't know that Holtz is a fit in Buffalo simply because they have similar type players in that. And that's also not a similar player structure like L.A.'s system where maybe you're fine taking great two-way centers. I don't know that you necessarily want top-end one-dimensional wingers or stocking up on those, if if, if that makes sense. So, that's correct. That's kind of where I'm at with Holtz and Buffalo. I just don't think he's as one dimensional as I think you think he is. Like I, I think that Holtz is a little more well rounded than uh, not than Perfetti necessarily, just than you know than the one dimensional label. I think really whichever whichever one of the two they would go with, you look at their top six of the future, and you're walking away just grinning ear to ear because it's in some combination. Eichel, Holtz, or Perfetti, uh, Reinhardt, Skinner, Cousins, and Olafson, and you're just an absolutely deadly offensive team with those lines in whichever combination you want to roll them out in. So, um, and, and, you know, I actually think both of them are multi-dimensional offensive players. Perfetti, uh, you know, the playmaking really came to the forefront this season, but he's still a guy who I think entering the season may have arguably been more known for the goal scoring. Uh, and then he doubled his assist total from a year ago while not sacrificing one single goal from his output. So, um, I just don't think either of them are, are that one-dimensional personally. It's fair. It's totally fair. Okay. Uh, up next, picking for the Chicago Blackhawks, Prashant. I mean, if y'all, if y'all fools are going to let me have Cole Perfetti at nine <laughs> in Chicago and get to put him next to Kirby Doc or potentially put him on a second on his own line behind Kirby Doc, I mean, that's that's just too good. So, yeah, I got to take Cole Perfetti here. Yeah, it's an la- easy pick. This is one that I predict doesn't happen because there's no way Perfetti falls that far. You know, if we're moving a little bit more into reality, I think you're more likely to see 
a guy like Raymond drop that far to to nine rather than Cole Perfetti. If Chicago gets this kind of a haul over the course of two years between Kirby Doc and Cole Perfetti, uh, they won't have a long rebuild. You could easily swap this pick and Detroit's pick at number four, and I don't think either team is markedly worse for the wear no. or like way better for the wear. Like I think they're just, but I agree, those are the kind of two of the players who you could who you could see go in either of those spots. I mean, the top end of this draft is so ridiculous at forward. Yeah. We're going to look at it after, no matter what happens, to go, how in the hell did X player get to Chicago? Because I think the Sanderson factor is real. That doesn't even factor in a team going rogue and taking Askarov here. There's a, a reasonable chance that Holtz, Raymond, Perfetti follow to the top 10 entirely, which is crazy to think about. But when you actually look at the reality, not out of the question. So I talked about this on a previous episode, and this is stemming from a, a conversation you and I had, Max. We are firmly in the range right now for over the last few picks where realistically, unless you're the GM of your favorite team does something absolutely wild, you can't reasonably be mad at the pick because the the like Prashanth has mentioned, the margins are so thin here. Like we're talking about the fourth pick going eleventh and the the twelfth pick going fifth and the hindsight the, the the hindsight bias years from now is going to be ridiculous be- and we're going to have to remind everyone that nobody knew going into this unless of course like Emil Andre goes like third overall to Ottawa <laughs> then of course you, you can start to, to criticize they took Lassie Thompson last year I'm just saying so <laughs> so and this applies and you guys might not like hearing it I, th- I think this applies to the Red Wings at four like I think Unless you're 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 drafting the top three, you're firmly in the range of what happens happens, and it's probably just as good a pick as anything else until we see otherwise. And the point that Prashant makes so often on our show is like you have to judge these things partly in the context of how well can you develop this player because that's a big part in how these things look in hindsight. Is it's really easy to say, oh, they passed on that guy who became a stud, but you have no idea if your team was going to develop him the exact same way or to the exact same degree. Uh, that 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 the team that got him did, and so I think that has to be you know con- considered in any kind of draft analysis like this. So certainly, I have Cole Perfetti multiple spots higher than this on my board. I'm not, I won't you know necessarily say where right now, but uh, you know. second. <laughs> but uh, I, so I think it's a steal for Chicago. But I I certainly think it's very possible that if this were to be how it played out, you could have very justifiable outcomes not only on draft night but two years from now too. So the takeaway here is that nothing matters. That said, 10th overall, Brad, for New Jersey. <laughs> the New Jersey Devils. So uh, seeing as they took Jake Sanderson at seven, I am going to take Anton Lundell. They now have a crazy group of centers because they've had two number one overall picks and a top 10 pick. Like Lundell is their third line center. I mean, there's almost no way around it. Yeah. I mean, that's basically it with, you know, they're, they're loaded. Yeah, Lundell is one of those guys who, in, I think in a lot of other drafts, you'd be looking at probably five spots higher, um, up to five spots higher. So that would be a great value pick. I think he's going to be a great value pick for whoever takes him. I also think he is um, potentially going to rise a lot, and he might be a surprise pick for teams uh, in the top you know, five or six of this draft that we might not be anticipating. Uh, all right, Max from Minnesota. Wait, hold on, I want to add one more thing on. Like, I'm not oh, sorry. as wild about uh, Lindell necessarily, but I think one of the interesting, like, just in terms of upside, 
uh, Prashant is, and I think maybe we should have him weigh in here because I know he he likes Lindell's game. But um, you know, one of the crazy things about New Jersey's situation is they almost don't have to care if if he doesn't have crazy upside, then he's probably going to be a, a really really strong comparatively third line center who can play you know tough minutes. That, that's his reputation. And if he if he does, then you can flex Jack Hughes to the wing if you want and make him your second line center. So I think it, New Jersey's in a very interesting position to to take this kind of flyer. But um, Prashant, as someone who likes Lindell's game, I think quite a bit. What do you have to say about him? Yeah, I mean, he's to me. I think he gets uh, overshadowed a lot just by again the talent of, of Raymond and Holtz in the SHO, and he gets overshadowed by all of the great OHO players as well. But we're talking about a guy who was playing in the top Finnish leagues, one of the top you know five leagues in the world, arguably um, up there. You know, behind, when we're talking about leagues behind the NHL, obviously the AHL, KHL, SHL, and then Liga is kind of right in that territory. Um, I mean, he, he was playing at that level, playing solid minutes uh, and scoring decently well. I mean, he was not particularly far behind uh, some of the other guys that have gone in, in recent years out of Liga, like Patrick Line and, and, and things like that. His points per game was not super far off. I think he got derailed a little bit by an injury right around the World Junior Championships time that kind of curbed some of his momentum and, and really caused him to fall off the list to a certain extent because – Again, when a lot of people were talking about him at the beginning of the year, this was a guy that had top five talent. Uh, so, you know, I think he's got the the size you want. He's got the ability to work with the puck. Great shot. Doesn't need a lot of time with it. Um, and uh, is already playing at the top level in Finland and is going to continue doing so. And I think if, if uh, Liga is able to get restarted before the draft happens and he has a strong start to the season, he's a guy that, you know, like you said, Ryan, uh, could start to move up the boards. Okay, uh, Max, Minnesota 11th overall. Are you going to do it, man? I am. Out of SKA in Russia, Yaroslav Oskarov, the goaltender. <laughs> uh, all right, I'll jump in first and give the positive view before <laughs> Prashant comes in. So to me, with a high pick, it's all about the home run swing. If you're picking this high in the draft, you better not be drafting a third line winger or a second pairing defenseman or whatever. And and to me, on, at least on my board, we're past the list of skaters who I can say confidently are going to be impactful top six forwards or top pairing defensemen. So that being said, nobody in this draft has a better chance to be a franchise goalie than Yaroslav Askarov. He is the biggest risk probably taken in the top 20, if not top 30. But if he hits... Minnesota is set at the most important position for the next decade. And let's be honest, Devin Dubnik is not good anymore. And uh, there's, I mean, depending on how you feel about Kakinen, maybe they're all right. But but to me, Minnesota is one of the very few teams in the top half of this draft where it makes sense to take the swing on Askarov. Yeah, I'm not ever going to pretend that I would be the one to take Askarov. I couldn't reasonably get up there and, and do it and take a, a top 10 pick or a top 11 pick in this situation in such a top head, top heavy draft uh, and, and spend it on a goalie. But Askarov has that outlook to potentially be a game breaker. But like we say constantly, goalies are voodoo. Wouldn't be me, couldn't be me, but I can definitely see this happening for Minnesota and I couldn't possibly criticize them. Just as a small aside, I'm 90% positive Ryan is the one who took Askarov uh, when we were on your podcast. You're 100% correct. You're 100% correct. So 
Well, that's when I was predicting what would happen, of course. So I, I hate it for obvious reasons. <laughs> all, all of the reasons. It's a terrible pick. Uh, I mean, Don't you can sugarcoat it. it um, there is no sugarcoating it. I've had two glasses of whiskey as, as, as uh, asked to do. So, you know, when you're, when you're going about this, number one, Minnesota already took a goalie in the second round last year. They took Hunter Jones. So, you know, there's that piece where do you, are you going to burn another top two round pick on a goaltender? I think the second thing is you have Kapokakin and moving up the ranks. Like, let's see how this plays out. But really, third, just look at the variance in goaltender performance, even for the truly elite guys from year to year. It's just not there. You have a really crappy year from Carey Price. Sergei Bobrovsky is completely submarine Florida's cap situation. Marc-Andre Fleury now is getting supplanted to a certain extent in Vegas at $7 million a year. Uh, I mean, Henrik Lundqvist was playing, you know, half the games this year at $8.5 million. Uh, I mean, Connor Hellebuck's got a good contract right now that, you know, uh, Winnipeg was able to lock up. But a guy like Braden Holtby, again, is getting challenged by Ilya Samsonov. And he's making $6.1 million and is due for another contract. You just don't pay these goalies a lot of money because from year to year, their performance just drops off substantially. And it's so hard to predict that even if he is a franchise goaltender, what does that even mean? Like, does that even mean he's going to be good year in to year out? I don't even know that. Like, uh, very few goalies have been able to sustain year in to year out that elite level of production. So unless you are confident this is Henrik Lundqvist. This is Tuka Rask. This is John Gibson that's going to do this year in, year in, year in. I, you can't make that swing. And so I said I'd take him 160th, and he didn't make it there. So I'm, I'm glad about that. All right. An altogether uh, tepid response from Prashanth. Sorry, guys, for such a dull episode here. <laughs> um, I think this is uh, myself up next, 12th overall for Winnipeg. Um they are going to take uh, from the Ottawa 67s, Jack Quinn. We'll let the negative start this time. Prashant, have at it. <laughs> uh, I mean, good shooter. Scored some goals. Scored 50 goals, right? That's an impressive achievement in the OHL. But to me, there's no one. This argument gets brought out a lot for Marco Rossi that you know he benefited a lot from playing on a stacked team. To me, there's no one that benefited more from playing on a playing on stack team than Jack Quinn. I think if you dropped Alexander Holtz in Jack Quinn's spot, Holtz would have scored 70 goals. Uh, I think that's the kind of environment that Jack Quinn was playing in. Now, don't get me wrong. The guy's got a great shot. I am unconvinced that he's going to be able to create his own space at the next level. And sure, playing in Winnipeg where maybe you're playing with Mark Shifley and, and guys like that, they can get you open ice and they can get you the, the places you need to be. I am unconvinced that he is goal scoring ability is going to immediately translate at the next level. And I'm also unconvinced of his, of his two way play. So the positive outlook on Jack Quinn to me is he's one of the bigger wild cards in this draft. Cause I'm not sure we've fully seen Jack Quinn yet because he did not even make the OHL in his rookie year. His first full season in the OHL, it was lukewarm at best. And then this season came out of nowhere. And the only reason he wouldn't have got drafted if his birthday was earlier because he's a late birthday. So he's a, he's an one So he wouldn't have had this 50 goal season going into the draft if he wasn't that late birthday. 
I, I still think there's room to grow in his game. He's known for his shot, but I do like his hands. I do like his vision and I do like his ability to create in the offensive zone. I know people see uh, Rossi and Quinn on the same team, but they did not play on the same line. Right. Um, that being said, for basically every road game that it meant Jack Quinn got a favorable matchup. So it, it did affect him in a positive way. Um, so we absolutely have to factor that in. But I think there's more room for Jack Quinn to grow as a player than just about any other first round prospect, despite being a late birthday. But that being that all being said, he is one of the riskier players in the first round. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And just because of the the lack of kind of lengthy track record where it really came on strong this year, I think it's fair to call that a risk. I am also looking, you know, kind of Corey's, I love looking at Corey's tool grades. He does have a 65 on his sense, a 60 on his puck skills. He notes that he played on the penalty kill for Ottawa. I think there's the kind of the, the right kit there to have kind of a well-rounded scoring winger. But your, your question ultimately is, am I drafting a well-rounded scoring winger on the top line or in the middle six? And if it's not, you know, the top line or at least feeling good about it being a good second liner, um, then there is a case that it's, that it's a risk. That said, in this tier of players, I don't have a problem with this pick at all. Yeah, and, and that's fair. Like, you know, you bring it back, and again, like we talked about margins being razor thin for the guys in the first part of the, the draft. I think the same holds as you move between arguably 11 and, and 20, uh, 11 and 25. You can say that, again, the margins are, are relatively thin. Um, to me, though, I think I honestly believe the opposite of you, Brad, that as a guy as physically developed as Jack Quinn is at this point, I don't know that physically he's going to be able to round out his game as much. And, and you're going to have to ask him to make huge strides forward uh, from his actual skill set. And that's where I'm a little bit concerned that he just doesn't do that at the next level. He did benefit a lot from having Rossi play in front of him. Uh, so that he could, again, take advantage of some of those matchups. Almost 40% of his goal scoring is special teams this year. He's a guy that wasn't on the map really at all prior to this year, and that does scare me because, to me, uh, a certain extent, when you're talking about these top prospects, these are guys that have consistently outperformed their peers at every level along the way, and then these are guys that you're already on their rate, like they're already on your radar, coming into this draft year. Like Alexi Lafreniere has been on everyone's radar for four years. I mean, Quentin Byfield to a certain extent. A lot of these guys have been on the radar for a while and there's not a lot of movement. To me, a guy that makes such a substantial jump going from half a point per game player last last season to, again, now being a 50-goal scorer on a loaded Ottawa 67s, that's very scary for me. For, for me, it's not even the progress of his skill set to me which is what would be air quotations exciting. It's because his, like Max was saying, his tools are there. I, I don't think there needs to be much improvement on his shot or his hands at all. It's he played double A hockey uh, growing up. He did not play in the OHL. He played two seasons in the OHL. That's all the high level hockey he's played. To me, for reference, double A hockey is what I played. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, he he played a lower level than I did, and I suck, so that's saying something. But um, it's his understanding of his game. He's still learning the nuances of the game, how, how to penalty kill, how to play defensively, how to create even more space for him in the offensive zone. So I'm curious to see, as he gets a better understanding of truly high-level hockey, how his skills will adapt to that. Um, Prashant, have you noticed that Max only drinks when you're speaking? 
I mean, he's got to, he's had to do it all year. I'm, I'm certain without video, he's been doing the same because once I go off on a rant, like you just got to take a swig to get through it. So for one, I don't think that's true. For two, I, I, I was going to bring that up at some point. This is the first time Prashant and I have ever like chatted semi face to face, which, uh, I just need, I, I need to say this out loud. If Craig Custance is listening, Max looks like you, but has more hair. So I'm just going to say that out loud for everybody. I can never make the hair joke because Brad's hairline is so annoying. It is timeless and it does never, it never recedes. Mine's retreating. So if I have more hair than Craig, it's not for long. <laughs> mine's, mine's very creatively placed. You guys can see the, the tomfoolery going on. Oh, right it's there. very nice. It's very nice. Uh, well, uh, Prashanth, because of that compliment, you get to go next for the New oh, York that's Rangers great. 13th overall. Very excited. So obviously New York Rangers, they had an exciting year last year with Capocacco. Get to add another outstanding winger to their, uh, stable of players. Seth Jarvis is going to go here, uh, at, at 13. I mean, if you're loading up with Panera and Jarvis and, and, uh, Capocacco, you're just going to be set for a while. And honestly, if they're for the type of player Seth Jarvis is, there might not be a better player in the NHL for him to learn from than Artemi Panarin. Honestly, he's he's Artemi Panarin light in the sense that he's not that big guy. He's not that big. Terrific understanding of the game. Terrific hands. Great playmaker. Good enough shot to finish. Again, he's just on the smaller side and not crazy fast, which we've been talking about for months, is like half of this draft. Oh, tremendous skill, undersized, not great skater. That's this draft in a nutshell, but... Jarvis is on the higher end of that group, so I think he'd be going to a very favorable situation in New York, and and it's a good value pick for them at that point as well. Go ahead, yeah, that's man. a pick that makes me uh, that that's that's what I was torn between uh, Jack Quinn and Seth Jarvis, and of course that's it's making me regret it. But <laughs> Jarvis is that guy where he's he's almost the poster boy boy of one or, or one of many poster boys to show you the kind of talent that's available in this draft. Um, Jarvis at thirteen. Like I keep saying, I, I sound like a broken record here, is an insane value for the pick, but you couldn't fault the 12 people ahead of the Rangers who, who, uh, that were selected. For the reasons that Brad mentioned, I think Jarvis is a guy who would be really great value, would be a fantastic pick. Uh, New York just seems to have everything going for them in terms of like, you know, high end talent, especially considering where they're drafting. Um, you know, drafting second, taking Cabo Caco last year, and then following up with someone like Seth Jarvis this year, they couldn't ask for much more. Um, that said, I, I would actually be kind of shocked if Seth Jarvis falls as far. He seems to be rising quite a bit um, within rankings since the en- end of the season. I am an absolute Seth Jarvis believer. Uh, I very much wanted him to fall to my next pick, but I think it makes sense that he didn't. This is a guy who finished second in the WHL in scoring this year, and if you want to look at per-game numbers, he outscored Dylan Cousins, who was last year's seventh overall pick and is generally considered to be one of the top prospects outside the NHL right now. Seth Jarvis outscored him in the same league uh, on a a per-game basis and in, in, in raw points, so... Uh, big fan of this pick. Really, really like Jarvis's uh, potential. Is he one of the more the most complete players within his range, so to say? I, I wouldn't say complete players because, as with mo- most small forwards, he is very one dimensional in his offense right now. He doesn't bring a lot to the game defensively. Um, obviously, as with anybody with his skill set, it could be taught um, because with his skills, he 
he can do whatever he wants on the ice. He's just got to do it. Um, his reach will be an issue. His skating might be a bit of an issue in the defensive zone. But, I mean, with the way the Rangers are built right now, I wouldn't be super concerned if I was them. I'm also not sweating complete as much in this range of the draft. Like, at, at the top, it's great to want Mr. Do-It-All, and that's what you should want. But once you're outside the range where there are people who truly do it all, like, stressing too much over compete can make you look for, like, few or no weaknesses rather than like clear-cut strengths and at this range in the draft i'm looking for a guy who can really pop and i think jarvis is that yeah does that lead you to make picks like michael rasmussen (laughs) Uh, on that note brad 14th overall for florida um all right so i've we're at the part of the draft where it's just kind of throwing darts so with uh the florida panthers are proud to select rodion amirov so it seems like Max wants to take the uh, first commentary there as he made a big face after that. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I wanted to, I wanted to draft Rodion Amirov, um, and I think for good reason. I mean, this is, I mean, I, I guess it's not totally clear at, at this point whether he is uh, a center or a winger, but again, I'm not stressing that much about it. He's just a guy who, yes, maybe on the older side of the class, but he's shown a lot. He's got the right tools in terms of skating skill since uh, Corey's got uh, 60 on his skating, 60 on his skill. Hockey sense 55. That's above average or better in three very important traits. Uh, and he's a guy who for, you know, while he is a little bit older for this draft class, I think you have to be fairly happy with kind of the, the rate that he's developing. Um, he got into uh, 21 KHL games this year, wasn't super productive in them, but was very productive in the MHL. So, uh, yeah, I, I was also hoping to draft Rodian Amirov at the next pick. Yeah, I mentioned this, I think it was last episode. Um, Rodion Amirov, I, I have a suspicion that he might be that kind of guy who's just being suppressed a little bit by the strength of talent in the KHL. Like Max mentioned, he excelled in the uh, league below there in Russia, but didn't do much in the K. And with the amount of skills, the amount of raw skill that he has, I feel like this is a player who has a high, high ceiling above him that he just hasn't, hasn't had the opportunity to realize. That's a that's a big, heavy swing at the ball, of course. It, there's a lot of risk involved with that. But, um, you know, for a guy who skates as well as he does and has the kind of uh, ability with the puck uh, that he does, that's a kind of talent that's really difficult to teach. Um, I've had a couple Red Wings fans ask if he's a guy to target at 32, and I don't think there's a chance that he falls there. He absolutely oh, yeah, will not be there at 32. Okay. Uh, Prashant, did you want anything on Amirov or do we want to move to... No, I mean, overall to here? just echo what you guys said, I think it's important to, to state that uh, while he got into 21 KHL games and didn't look super impressive, KHL is the best league that's not the NHL right now. And I honestly think he was just too good for the MHL at a certain extent. So he just got caught kind of in this no man's land where... He was probably too good for the league that he was in. I mean, he was averaging five shots a game in the MHL games. Like, that's just ridiculous. That's what Lafreniere was averaging uh, in the queue this year. And so, you know, he, he, I think, was too good for the MHL, struggled a little bit in the KHL, but he's a guy that I think you put him in that league, you put him at that next level, he's going to continue to get better and better. Okay, Max, for the Columbus Blue Jackets, you Mm. are Kekalainen, 15th overall. With the 15th pick in the draft, the Columbus Blue Jackets will take Dawson Mercer out of Drummondville. 
All right, I guess I'll start. I like Dawson Mercer. I like his complete game. I have questions about what his ceiling actually is. Um, he's a talented player, but he's not that Seth Jarvis, Rodion Amirov type where you look at him and the skill is very obvious. Um, I think he could fill a role as a, a good two-way forward who will give you a lot of offense. I think he'll be better as a complementary piece in a top six. Uh, not that he's the same player as Tyler Bertuzzi, but something in that kind of role. Um, that being said, if you're getting a Tyler Bertuzzi type in the middle of the first round, that's not terrible. Anyway, so that would be, uh, I think the team would be content with that pick. Um, so yeah, I, I think Columbus is a team that loves these types of players. So this pick would make a ton of sense for them. I think Tortorella could work wonders with him. Um, it's just, is he a first line guy, second line guy, or a third line guy? I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think part of the hype on on Mercer uh, kind of faded after he got traded, you know, midseason because he was off to just an outstanding start in Drummondville, which is where uh, you know Joe Valeno was playing. I mean, he had what forty two points in the first twenty six games with Drummondville, and after he gets dealt, he's I think just under a point per game and didn't really find his role on like a really good Shakutami team. So I, I I think that's the problem to a certain extent is he he struggled to adapt with that trade and, and maybe some of the luster fell off. But I, I do think he's a guy that's got really solid offensive talent. And, and part of the reason the hype has, has dropped is after that trade, he just didn't produce the same. Yeah, I'm happy I was muted because I, I had some choice words from Max who uh, for taking Dawson Mercer there, <laughs> that would have been my next pick. Um, just echoing what those guys have said, I, I, I don't really – um oh for the love of sorry everything just crashed on me can you guys still hear me yeah yeah fuck's sake did we lose the recording no no if you guys can still hear me then we didn't lose it 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 wouldn't lose the recording regardless it's all backed up online but this platform's also a colossal pile of shit tell us how Uh, you really feel yeah Sorry, let me just pull this back up. I'll leave all this in the episode, of course. Why not? You should. Okay, I'm going to pick back up. Yeah, Mercer's, uh, I I think, an extremely smart player. Um, I've seen uh, quite a bit of... Uh, talk about his two-way game as well as uh, a centerman. Um, I think he's one of those guys where if you look at his individual skill set, he's probably one who has a little bit more likelihood of sticking at center as well, which I think gives him a ton of value at that pick. Um, And again, I, I... I didn't anticipate him falling to 16th, which was, which is where I'm going to pick next, but he came close, which is why uh, I was pissed off at max. So uh, 16th overall for the Calgary flames uh, missing on Dawson Mercer. They are going to take Maverick Bork. I like when I make a pick and all three of you nod. Yep. (laughs) Good affirmation for me. He is supremely skilled and he put up, unbelievable numbers on a very terrible Shawinigan team this year as an undersized forward. I think that speaks uh, volumes, not just about his skill, but about his character and compete as well. So uh, flags for Red Wings fans there. Yeah, really, really solid offensive player in my mind. I think he's got the potential to really round out for a uh, Calgary team that could certainly use it. 
Yeah, I don't have anything real insightful to say. I like the pick. <laughs> uh, 17th overall in New Jersey, Prashanth. Man, this is the first time you guys have actually left me with having to make a decision. You didn't just leave me like a great player to pick straight wow. off the bat. So, all right. So let me let me uh, think about this here. You know, I think if I'm New Jersey, uh, you know, at this point in the draft, this is their th- what is this their third hey, pick? Hey, hey. No I'm justifying thinking, your pick. I'm thinking about it out loud. You're getting my stream of consciousness here. All right, I'm gonna make my pick. I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take Noel Gunler. You know, big, big Swedish winger over here. Well, if this pick hits, I I don't think many people could argue that he's the most skilled player at this point. But that that inconsistency, it is hard to not put up a red flag there. But again, if you're swinging for talent, you're swinging for talent. And Gunler's got it in spades. You got to love the same team taking Lindell and Gunler like seven picks apart. I love it. Talk about like the different stylistic, right? I love it. So uh, I love that quite a bit. And I think I, I certainly can uh, can can understand this pick. I think, he, you know, it, it's an upside play. And, and it, you know, I don't believe teams with more picks should necessarily be riskier. But I think this is the right kind of risk to take anyway. So, yeah, I'm good with it. Yeah, whoever takes Gunler is trying to suss out whether his um, limited minutes in the SHL limited his performance or were they a result of his limited performance. So I actually believe if you have more picks that you do take you do take bigger swings because they tend to land more home runs that way. So that's a great pick in my mind. Um, okay, Brad for Nashville, 18th overall. Uh, with the 18th overall pick, the Nashville Predators will select from Berlin in the DEL, Lucas Reichel. He did it so we couldn't. That's why he. That's why he chose. No, he did it because he watched the two games against Switzerland where Reichel <laughs> looked really good. So there, there, there you go. Reichel's been good. I think. Uh, I think this is about the range Brad took him in our last mock draft. So I don't think. Uh, I don't think he's being unduly influenced by the by the Swiss scrimmages. But I, I like the pick a lot, and I think Reichel is. Uh, I actually think I prefer him to Paterka, and I. I don't know. I think that's becoming more of uh, the majority opinion. It seems like in the public analysts. Yeah, a lot of puck skill is one of those dream players for Detroit at number 32, which is, I think, becoming less and less likely now. Okay, for Carolina, 19th overall, Max. Hmm. Brendan Brisson from the uh, Chicago Steel. There's, it, I, would that be considered a reach at this point? I think it'd be I, I would, a reach from McKenzie's list. I don't think it's a reach at all. No, Br- Brisson's a fascinating case to me because the, the tools are there. The production was there, but he was an overager playing in the USHL and not a lot of players in that position go in the first round because typically players his age and his position are in the NCAA at this point. And the Chicago Steel were stacked. So it, it, when I watch Brisson, I'm a believer. I, I love the skill. I love the sense. But I can't shake that thought in the back of my head of thinking, well, he shouldn't even be here. You, you're evaluating Brisson. Do you not have to take the same approach as you do taking, for example, for example, Noel Gunler? who you know what the SHL is, but you don't have as good of an insight into him because he's not playing as many minutes. Uh, Brisson, who's performing a ton, but you have a hard time assessing the USHL. Is the amount of risk there really that much different? 
Because if you look at him, he has a ton of skill. He has a ton of like – if you look at his individual assets, the guy's there. His his coaches and his uh, teammates swear by him. And there is different – there are a lot of people who, who are picking up on him and, and saying that this guy is not going to have that difficult of a time translating from the USHL into his next step. But – and I'm about to make the argument for the dumbest reason to ever not draft a player. If you're the GM of this team, do you really want to negotiate with an agent negotiating for his son? Yeah, Pat Brisson would uh, definitely get a – he would have a lot of a vested interest in this one. <laughs> Although I don't think he's the hardest uh, agent to negotiate with right now. I think there's some more unpopular ones amongst GMs. Well, he could be – Pat Brisson could be negotiating for his retirement here as his son takes care That's of fair. <laughs> I don't know for certain if his dad's his agent. I know he can't talk. I, I don't know. I yeah. honestly don't. Pat Brisson. Let's look yeah, that's that. not going to turn in way too many results for you to find. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I know there's a, a relation there, but I'm not sure what it is. Um, okay, so I think I am the next pick up here. Yes, for Edmonton, 20th overall. <sighs> By virtue of the fact that I don't think he should be drafted this far down the list, I'm going to take uh, out of the dub Connor Zary from Kamloops. He was due. Supremely skilled. The numbers are there. Um, small forward, lot of skill, good offensive numbers, not the greatest skater. I'm just going to repeat that again. Um, and I do late love- birthday. He's just the, the, this this class in, a, in one player. Exactly. He is the 2020 draft. Um, if there's one thing to me that maybe separates Zari a little bit from everybody else behind him that fits this description is he is the quote-unquote competitor, the Steve Eiserman special, he, he busts his ass on the ice and you combine that with skill. Those are the types of players you bet on. Not necessarily to be a first-line 90-point guy, but I, I have a hard time seeing him not making the NHL and making an impact in the NHL in some meaningful capacity, whether that's as your above-average third-liner who really brings a good team to the next level, or if he does end up playing a significant top-six role, which is very possible for him. Corey's got him 10th uh, overall on his list. Scott has him 13th on his. But I know that uh, Prashant, because I have uh, the the hack login to his list, uh, <laughs> has him more toward the end of this tier of players. So, uh, Prashant, why don't you tell us uh, why not Connor's area? Yeah, he's a guy where his production is a little bit deceiving. It's a little bit of a throwback to Michael Rasmussen out of the dub in that almost half his production is on the power play, and a lot of it is driven by secondary assists. And so at least at the NHL level, we've seen that secondary assists aren't necessarily a repeatable process because, again, remember, you could just you could literally be leading a breakout from behind your net and, and you pass it up to, you know, Sidney Crosby and he goes and does something ridiculous and scores a goal. I mean, you get an assist for that. Uh, and so Connor Zeri, a lot of his production is power play, secondary assists. And to me, that kind of scares me a little bit when you're already talking about a guy who's almost as old as you can be to be in this draft. Uh, not that big. I don't know that he's going to develop all that more physically. And a lot of his scoring is of the kind that we don't think is very repeatable. And so uh, to me, that puts the pause on him. And you throw in the fact that you mentioned, Brad, that his skating is that, not that great. I don't know how he creates space for himself at the next level. And, and that's where, uh, to me, he's a guy that's further down my list. Uh, Connor Zari is Chris Kunitz dash Prashant Iron. 
<laughs> I, I, that's not a bad comparison. I mean, that's literally what it is. Is if you throw him next to Sidney Crosby, he looks great. You take him away from Sidney Crosby, and he's you know maybe an average NHL player, below average NHL player. Olympic gold medalist Chris Kunitz. Yeah, I'll put some uh, respect on his name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with that, Prashant, you're up next for Ottawa, 21st overall. All right, 21st. Well, uh, I'm going to stay in the W. Um, and I'm going to take Caden Gooley for Ottawa defenseman. I think it's a, it's a solid pick over here. I'm going to just influence you guys there. I'm just so happy that uh, we waited out Prashant long enough that he took the third defenseman off the board. I, I can't believe I took a defenseman. I, I didn't think I was going to take a defenseman at all, and you guys baited me into taking a defenseman here, so I'm very disappointed. So the upside on Caden Gooley, terrific skater, terrific defender. Um, th- in terms of skill set, I think he's a little closer to Mo Sider than Sanderson is, just stylistically. Um, more physical. Again, just maybe the best skater among defensemen in this draft. I know him and Drysdale could have a have a good old battle for that. Um, again, with Gooley, the offensive upside, uh, I think it's undersold a little bit in the public sphere. I take that back. <laughs> um, but I, I don't think it's going to be anything special at the next level. Uh, to me, Gooley's upside is a really good number three, maybe a good complimentary number two. But if you're getting that at pick 19 or 20 or whatever this is that's great value. Or 21 21 yeah. we're we're well into the range where Gooley's a i think a really strong pick i think you could have made this case six seven eight picks ago um but you know so so i like the pick and i i like even more that prashant is the one who made it <laughs> yeah Gooley is um a coach's favorite kind of defenseman he defends extremely well but is uh apt um, on the at the other end of the ice, he's by no means a phenom offensively, but he's uh, he's very capable. He's a very smart player. Um, he has a potential in my mind to turn into a, a minute eater. So uh, that would be a great value pick for Ottawa, and especially considering they passed up on a, a Jamie Drysdale, they would like to shore up their defense, uh, their defense later on with one of their 100 first round picks. Uh, Brad, 22nd overall for the Dallas Stars. I mean. Are you guys doing making me do this on purpose? Uh, with the 22nd overall pick, the Dallas Stars will select John Jason Paterka. I actually thought I had more time to take Paterka. Uh, I, I thought I would make it another cycle around, so screw you. I think it's justifiable on uh, Paterka's merits as a prospect. I also think it's a really good fit for Dallas, and I think Dallas needs to score more goals. So uh, I like it from that standpoint, especially in terms of like a realism standpoint. So, uh, yeah, I I like the pick too. Yeah. I mean, you can't really argue with uh, a handful. I mean, there's 10 or 15 guys you could slot in now at this point and say, yeah, that's a reasonable pick uh, because a lot of these guys are, are, you know, very close to one another. But Paterka is a guy who, again, you're already in a men's league at this point. Didn't play on the strongest of teams. Still played very well. Seems to have a solid, you know, two-way game. Uh, well built for his size. So, you know, he's a guy that I think translates to the next level and is able to give you some kind of top six scoring punch. Okay, and that, Max. back-to-back picks I've made with zero criticism. So, I know my next one is just going to be <laughs> his next His drafting Evan next. Well, now you got to touch uh, the stove and, and try something really risky just to see if, if we're like not criticizing you because we don't want yeah we don't want to incur your wrath. Twenty uh, third, New York Rangers, Max. Uh, the New York Rangers would like to motion for a commercial break to refill beverages. Deal. <laughs> All, right, All right, done.
Good. <laughs> and we'll pick up after Brad's uh, expletive about how good the New York Rangers are going to be. We are back from commercial break. <laughs> Max, take it away. Uh, yeah, the New York Rangers will select from the University of Wisconsin, Dylan Holloway. Ah, never the second mind. time, man. That's the second time you've done that. <sighs> so Holloway was playing in the league that Brendan Brisson should have been playing in. And so he's basically the anti-Brisson because he didn't put up spectacular numbers. At points, he looked like he was a little overwhelmed in the NCAA. But he was, what, the youngest or second youngest player in in the entire NCAA? So you almost have to give him a bit of a pass for that. Um, to me, Holloway and Mercer fall into the same camp in that I like them as players. I like their overall game and I like what they bring, but the upside question uh, remains for me because I have a hard time seeing Holloway being truly impactful on the offensive side of the game. Not bad. Um, He'll contribute, but just, I think there's bigger swings that could be made here. I think at this level in the draft though, the amount of, yeah, there might be other picks to make, but I, I think he's a very fine player to select. He might not be the most, you know, uh, he might not have the most potential to be game-breaking, but he plays hard. I, I think he'd be an attractive player for the Rangers to select, especially considering everyone else in that cohort of young players that they'll have. I think it's fair. Okay, and I, I, I think I'm up next here for Minnesota because I can't take uh, Dylan Holloway. Uh, I am going to go with... Uh, I'm going to go with Jeremy Poirier here. That's the, bold. The boomer bust prospect here. No, but no defenseman shoots more than he does. I think I hate uh, it almost as much as Askarov. <laughs> uh, volume shooter, good skill, just horrific defensively. Ryan, did you just pick Madison Bowie? Stop. <laughs> no, no, no. no he, I picked he, Eric Carlson. He picked New York Rangers version of Brendan Smith. This is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> like you should take him and play him at forward so i mandated a two drink prashanth and i think our next iteration of these mock drafts we get a three drink prashanth and we just see what kind of fires are starting the, the more you pump in the more just blunt i'm gonna be about these takes so <laughs> is this where max comes in and is the positive spin on the pick yes no i'm, I'm not wild about this pick actually <laughs> um I, I no sorry just just like it is. <laughs> and that wraps up this episode of the Wicked <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, Prashanth, 25th overall for F- Philadelphia. All right. Uh, Philadelphia is, is, is very happy to select Roni Hervonen out of Liga. I'd also like to add, because uh, I forgot to say it, that when Prashant said he dislikes it almost as much as the Askarov pick, it is the same team that was technically on the clock. Uh, so that's a fun little wrinkle to add in there. Any Minnesota Wild fans listening? Uh, apologies, and also <laughs> I think Minnesota deserves the number one overall pick in this draft. So, <laughs> uh, Hervonen, quintessential tiny player with a ton of skill. Um, I think a, a great risk to take. It's not the the first young or first small, highly skilled player that's been drafted out of Finland in recent years. Uh, Red Wings fans will be familiar, uh, but not in the first round. So, yeah, I like Hervonen. I'm always kind of partial to the small guy. I think if you have as much skill as he's displayed, um, he's definitely worth the risk, especially this late in the first round. Um, of course, there's going to be considerations about how he's going to adapt physically, but when you have that high of a hockey IQ and you play at both ends of the ice i like the pick 
Um, very underwhelming numbers in Liga would be the concern. But again, as a small underage player, putting up 16 points in 52 games isn't terrible. His international tournaments have been great. Um, again, with someone as slight as he is, you can't not be concerned because he doesn't have the skill of a Lucas Raymond or a Marco Rossi. So players like this have to come into the league and and they're playing a role. And we all know what that role is. And if he's not cracking a fourth line or a grinding third line, depending on the team's philosophy. So he's got to come in and he's got to put up numbers. So it's a boomer bust pick, which is absolutely my philosophy in the draft more often than not so if it hits it's a fantastic pick but there's also a reasonable chance this guy never plays a game i agree with that i'm not wild about it but i think he's kind of in this range of players i think we're kind of into that next tier down now than the one we just kind of exited and um you know anyone picking at the top of that tier is going to be subjecting themselves to uh some nitpicking over which direction it went uh you know not necessarily the way I'd have gone, but I can't accuse Prashant of uh, making this pick based on Hervonen playing well in the uh, U20 scrimmages because he's been <laughs> on Hervonen all year long. All right. Uh, Brad picking notably not third overall, but rather 26th for the San Jose Sharks. The San Jose Sharks are proud to select from HV71, Emil Andre. I love it. Yeah, that's another one of those picks where you can probably reasonably say that he's not going to make it that far. Um, I think he does. I think he does. I, th- I don't. I think he's a second round player the way yep. it goes. I'd be surprised considering the, the the stock of defensemen. Although he is, a, he's not a big defenseman, so he's not like a, a coach's dream. So maybe you guys are right here. But I mean, what what was he on McKenzie's list? He was sixty seventh. He was sixty seventh yeah. on Bob McKenzie's list. Was he list. that low on Bob's? Yes. Yeah. Like so, I, so I don't think it's necessarily like a crazy reach, and it's definitely the, the kind of pick that Brad was just talking about. It's a big swing. Um, I'm not crazy about the value, but same thing I just said about Hervon and what it would apply here. Yeah, I mean, yes. he's a supremely talented defenseman at his size. The question you're going to have is. It, you know, at his size, can he skate as well as a guy that's five foot nine needs to from the back end? I think it's a legitimate question to have. But all that being said, his hockey IQ is there. So we'll see. All right, twenty seventh, Max. Uh, the anti uh, Emil Andre <laughs> is uh, Braden Schneider out of the WHL. Is that a pick that's going to show up a lot sooner than people are going to expect? I yes. think this is later than he will actually go. Um, again, McKenzie's ranking, I believe he was in the teens. So here's where philosophy becomes heavy. Because when you look at traditional drafts and you look at players picked in the 20s, a good majority of them don't turn into impactful players in the NHL. I think Braden Schneider will play. I think he is going to be a regular NHL, or I think it's going to be as a bottom three defenseman with no power play upside. And again, he's got a good first pass, so he's not like Jonathan Erickson handling the puck like a grenade. He's better than that, but this is a very one-dimensional defenseman in my mind who will fill a role on a team, but so it's a safe air quotation i hate that safe pick in the late in the first round but yeah it's it's all draft philosophy here yeah i uh he's not like he, he's not a super attractive defenseman but 
coaches are going to love him. Like he he plays so hard. He has such good fundamental uh, defensive ability, and I don't think he's a lost cause offensively. He's not going to contr- He's not going to firing it from the blue line. You are wrong, Ryan. That's proven. <laughs> you take that back right now. But I think he can move the puck up the ice, and and just by by virtue of how well he can defend, and he can either use it through solid positioning or through his physical game. Uh, a lot of coaches are going to be banging on, banging the table for their GMs to take him. Yeah, uh, we'll see. I mean, I don't love his offensive upside at the next level, but I think he's a very solid defenseman. So, pick twenty eight, the Vegas Golden Knights are going to take. Uh, top end shooter out of Sarnia in the OHL, Jacob Perot. Perot is fascinating to me because uh, to me, he's Noel Gundler 2.0 in this draft with the inconsistency questions. Uh, Sarnia wasn't a great team in the OHL, so I'd be curious to see what a player of his skill set would look like playing with better players, quite honestly. Um, again, Great shot, good skill, great sense, a little bit inconsistent with the effort, not the biggest guy, not a great skater. This is a recording. Um, But again, at at this point in the draft, yeah, he's he's the type of player you take a swing on. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, you can take a swing on him because of his shot, his ability to generate shots. I mean, you know, you you said it well, Brad, that he played on a really bad team and uh, wasn't really able to play with a lot of talent around him. And, and as a result, some of his kind of additional numbers look pretty bad. That being said, if you're picking here at 28 in your Vegas and you get a guy that's got one of the best shots in the draft, then yeah, you might as well take that swing. Okay. Uh, we have Prashanth up next for Washington, 29th. All right. Well, uh, Washington's going to do something similar. They're going to take Yan Mishak out of the OHL. I was hoping Meshach would fall to 32. No, that wasn't going to happen. That is, that's one of the players I think, uh, you know, makes a lot of sense if, if he gets there, uh, along, well, I guess I'm not going to say the others because they could still, (laughs) but yeah, no, I mean, and, and there, the, the Meshach case is the exposure to him probably hasn't been as much as it should be just because he was in the, in the Czech league until he came over midway through, uh, the season to the OHL. But, you know, I think if I remember right, he's got solid international numbers um and you know it's it's just this is this is the range where if you can find a guy who maybe wasn't on the radar enough at the right time of year maybe you can find uh, a solid steal he actually didn't have a crazy world juice i think it was just a couple points but nonetheless i mean his his points when he came over to the ohl were good not great um part of that could be because he was adjusting to a new league in the middle of the season it's the path less taken although there's two prospects in this range that did that uh like the toolkit i'm not sure i love his upside his ceiling as much as other players in this area but from a a tool standpoint absolutely justifiable all right moving along we have brad for st louis uh, the St. Louis Blues are proud to select from Shakutami of the QMJHL, Hendricks Lapierre. Audible booing happens. <laughs> I mean, I think I was the one to make this pick last time. Um, and the, the biggest knock on Lapierre, which is a very fair one, is the difficulty of projecting his career based on his injury history, especially regarding concussions. Um, the skill is there. The hockey IQ is there. Um, 
not an awesome skater, but this is a guy who would probably be ranked a lot higher if not for all the question marks surrounding him. So I'm glad Brad did it. So I wouldn't have to, but if you're a GM who can be convinced by the reports that it was neck issues and not concussion issues, you might, you might have a, a diamond in the rough here. You potentially could. I mean, this is a guy who was a point per game player last year. And so again, he's a guy that's on your radar. Like I was talking about earlier, you want to have guys that were on your radar early on, but Again, not getting a great look at him this year, potentially having concussion issues. It's just, it's a lot of red flags for me for a guy that already wasn't super exciting. Um, that being said, we are picking 30th and you're picking for the Stanley, defending Stanley Cup champions. So, you know, they, they can take a swing on a high skill guy uh, and, and not worry about it if it doesn't pan out. Look at the Detroit Red Wings drafting history for the last 25 years. That's basically it. So, you know, I don't hate it from the sense that. St. Louis is the team that could make that move. But from my standpoint, the the red flags are there when you have other guys kind of maybe in the same skill tier that maybe don't have some of those same red flags, namely being the injury history. He is a guy who some analysts had right around that kind of 10. Yeah, 10 to 15. Entering the year. Yeah. yeah. And so that, that certainly qualifies from the home run swing aspect. Um, I, you know, I think this is a, a kind of player, you know, who – Again, you're looking for reasons that uh, that they sh- that maybe they would have gone higher than you think they're going to, and I think his injuries qualify. But you take it with the understandable caution that maybe that's the reason that he never plays a single NHL game, and that's the risk you take. And I think St. Louis is well positioned to uh, to take it. Okay, Max, I believe you are selecting 31st, last pick of the first round for Anaheim. Topi Niemela out of Finland. Recency bias. Now, nah, man, I've been I've been saying this since uh, <laughs> since November. So, Topi Nimola is an outstanding pick. I, I think he's only a little bit behind, you know, what Villanueva was the last year as a guy who goes in the twenties uh, in the first round of Winnipeg. So, I think he's a he's a very solid defenseman. You know, the numbers again when you glance at them, they're not going to be super impressive because he's playing in the top Finnish league. He's playing in Liga. And, you know, a lot of these kids don't get power play time. They don't get the chance to boost their counting stats. And so as a result, you're kind of left not being able to utilize those stats to say, this is how good they are. This is uh, what they're potentially going to be. But that being said, I think the IQ is there. I think the puck moving is there. I think the skating's there. Give them some minutes. Give them, you know, uh, a little bit of time to develop over in Finland, which is great right now. And I think you're going to end up with a really solid kind of second pairing defenseman. I, I do like Niemela. Um, the only thing that leaves me wanting is obviously ev- everything he did in Liga, he gets full credit for. Um, not great international numbers, all things considered. I would have, I would have liked to have seen a bit more there, but that's just sample size. He has two bad weeks in the year, and, and it tanks all his international play. So I, I like the player again. Type of pick in this range, I like. You're betting on the skill, and I, I will never disagree with that. Okay, and, and for pick 32, the Red Wings' second pick here, uh, I'll give you mine, and then you guys uh, beat me uh, to death mercilessly, and then maybe we all offer our uh, picks as to who to take. And this is one I'm torn on. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think I'm going to try to use the excuse here of maybe this is something that the uh, Steve Eisman would do rather than what I think I would do. Um, 
I'm going to go with uh, long defenseman out of Moto, William Wallander here. And I, I like it. Using- you should feel bad. <laughs> I, I said long intentionally because I got a, I got Max to crack there. Um, I okay. All of didn't like it. All of hates <laughs> that like pick. Yeah. I mean, Wallander to me, fine player upside. I just don't see it at, at this point. There are at least a half dozen forwards. I, I would take a swing on from a skill standpoint. Uh, will Wallander play in the NHL? Sure, probably. Will he be super impactful? I wouldn't bet on it. But again, it's forty four percent of second round picks make it. So. I mean, hopefully this is a safer pick and you get some value out of him, but I don't love the upside. Should we all give alternative picks and then it kind of rounds it out or what's the, is that yeah, the best yeah. move yeah. here? Yeah. Okay. Brad, you go, you go next. Uh, if this is me picking here, I'm going to Barry of the OHL and I'm taking Tyson Forster. That was who I was torn between. It was Forster and Wallander. Basically Ovechkin 2.0. So, I mean, the guy's got a... <laughs> I mean, sort of seriously, if you if you look where the guy shot the puck, it literally was from the OV spot the entire season. I mean, the guy's got an outstanding shot. It's it's one of the top five shots, I think, in this draft. So, you know, you're, again, bet, betting heavily that that's going to be able to translate. Now, the question is, do you are you getting Timu Pulkin in, or are you actually getting a player that contributes at the next level? You know, we'll, we'll see there. Obviously, Forster's skating is better, but I think it's an interesting pick. I'm going uh, Murat Husnadinov, and I think he's a guy who – oh, wait, can I analyze this or I have to let you guys do it? No, you can do it. Okay. I mean, this is another of these guys who, you know, Corey's, Corey's tool grades, right? Skating, 60. Puck skill, 60. Hockey said 60, and there's a, a blurb in there about his high compete level. To me, like, you know, yeah, he's small, but uh, he's – I think he's 5'10", 176. That's – you know, it's it's not Marco Rossi built, but it's not uh, – it's not twiggish either, and I'm I'm fine betting on all those tools and and, and traits just as importantly when we're talking about the intangible and the compete uh, at, at this point in the draft. I mean, Kuznetsov falls in with Hirvonen. It there the skill is there, but the question mark is: Are they playing top six or are they not playing? Yeah, I mean, it's it's. A I think another question. another great option here if you're going to look defenseman would have been Ryan O'Rourke as well. Yeah, I think O'Rourke is um, is solid. Uh, I mean, he, I think he's in the range here to consider. I mean, there's a lot of guys I think you could put here. 20 different guys. Yeah, so if you want to know who any of our preferred targets are for the second round for pick 32, uh, any one of the first 31 picks that we made today that fall to the <laughs> second round would be the, <laughs> the arbitrary answer. Yeah. Probably like notice. 25 each or 26 each or so, right? Like, yeah, just about. A well, a few guys in yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, for what it's worth... Sorry, I was just going to round it out that, you know, to throw out a third guy, since the guy I would have said would have been who's Newton off, uh, Daniel Torgerson's, I think another guy to consider here, uh, out of, out of the super elite, huge forward, six for three, 205 pounds, big, you know, great skater. I think he's a guy that, uh, has shot up draft boards, honestly. And I think he's got almost a Johan Franzen type skill set to him, minus Franzen shot, uh, which is important. But that being said, I think he's got that kind of skill. Uh, you know, a really tool bag uh, available. Prashanth, if Askarov was there at 32, you no, would take No, 160th. Him. I told you, 160th or later. Dead serious. You'd be shot. I mean... The fans will kill the, you. The fans would kill me, but they would they would love me in five years when Askarov is either overpaid <laughs> or not in the NHL. 
What about Jake Sanderson? Oh, yeah. I mean, I take him there at 32. I mean, he's he's higher up on my board. I mean, hell, Max just made me do a 45-minute podcast justifying Jake Sanderson. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. It was my idea. What was what was the drink barrier on that episode? I didn't have any drinks before Zero, that because, you know, I yeah. just got home from work. So, I had to do that one completely without any alcohol. So, that was unfiltered, un- like uninebriated thoughts. All right. Well, that has been the first uh, 32 picks uh, mock draft between um, ourselves and our friends, uh, Max Prashant from the Athletic Detroit. Uh, I'm sure because of the uh, the big weight pronoun here is uh, we're, this won't be the last iteration of this. We're going to have plenty more to talk about um, leading up to October. Um, but for now, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, not you, Prashant, because I think that you railed on me more <laughs> relentlessly than anyone else today. And until next time. Thanks for having us, guys. Well, I regret taking Wallander where I did. I regretted it the moment it came out of my mouth. I regretted it the moment you guys started giving your picks. I regretted it. He wasn't even the next up on my rankings. I don't know why I did that. And that's the beauty of mock drafts. And that's why we're going to do more of them. You pulled a max where you were just trying making picks that you knew were going to get a reaction out of everybody else. Yeah, maybe that's what I was doing. Yeah, yeah, Brad, that's what I was doing. I was trying to get a reaction out of you. Although I did, I was loving uh, egging Prashant on. Uh, to be fair, though, you you probably knew what w- it was coming either way when Prashant and I made a pact um, at our break to just boo the hell out of whoever you picked. It could have been my exact pick. I was still going to rip you for it. Yeah, screw both of you. You deserved it. You were trying to justify your picks. Get up, make your pick, and shut up. You got you. You know what they did? Though you all did a lot of justifying of your picks. I no, did, no, no. I did maybe one, and it was minimal. Don't you lump me into that? What was the best pick of that mock draft? Uh, Every one I made. <laughs> Who picked first? Was it? Was it me? Uh, no, Prashant. So he wins by default. Yeah. What we didn't know is Evan was in the room with me, six feet away, making all of his picks. And he's writing all of them down. He's just had his clipboard writing them down and going, oh, no, that one wasn't good. Who did I pick mm-hmm. Lucas Reichel for again? Uh, I don't know. I don't have the list in front of me anymore. Okay, You'll have I'm to gonna... go back to the episode and listen. I was happy he felt. I was happy I got both Germans where I did. So I'm, I'm going to go with those two. I knew you would. Tr- I knew you would walk away with both of them. I knew you wouldn't let it happen again where one of them got away from you. Yep, no chance. And I didn't even have to go like in the early teens. Do you think they're going to go around that same range in the actual draft? Um, my gut's telling me Reichel will. I think Paterka might slip a little bit. Hmm. Okay. Well, uh, with that, so we've talked about Seattle, we've done our mock draft, and we are now going to get to overtime, which on this midweek episode of the Winged Wheel podcast, even though it is very late on a Thursday, is Patreon exclusive. We are going to start with the Lindstrom Stan Club. He says, if you could choose any mirror image of a former Red Wing in this draft, who would you choose? I mean, I'd probably say Lidstrom. I know both Gordy and Eisman on the table. Um, that could be blasphemous, but having the second best defenseman of all time would improve us a lot. Keep calm and realize how great Gustav Lindstrom is and stand him always. Welcome to the Kraken. It's the only logical name. Now let's have a big rivalry between the Wings and the Kraken. Wow, the Kraken and Lidstrom all in one. Whew, that That's serendipitous right there. A little bit. A little, a little bit. bit. It has been the prophecy is self fulfilling. Uh, if you could select the mirror image of any Red Wings player in history to help this team right now, it would definitely be Nicholas Lidstrom. There'd be no bigger single impact on the team than having the best defenseman in the league on your team right now. 
Yeah, it's tempting to go with with a, a true first line center. Um, but yeah, I think the left side of Detroit's defense isn't great, and he's the second best defenseman of all time. So how could I argue against it? Uh, Connor Leighton with a um, really insightful comment and one that I think uh, Evan and I should answer first. He just says Trebucket. <laughs> <laughs> I will never not be funny. Uh, uh, just you better be <laughs> careful. People might start posting Cthulhu everywhere you go now. Yeah, yeah. I feel okay. Just your average teach. Oh, what was it that I say? I say, uh, and, and I think it was Keith on Twitter called me on this, and it's very fair. And Mel started laughing because I do do it. I say consequently. I constantly say it consequently, and it's because I read the word a lot before I ever actually said it out loud. Same thing, and it's not consequently and i say it like sequence so i can say consequent and consequently and it's been throwing people off and i don't even realize that i do it so you guys decide if that's as bad as trebucket i should start listening to you when you talk so i can pick up on these things i implore you to not uh mel has started to do that and it's super annoying because then she throws things back at me that i have said and i don't like that i've actually explicitly asked her to not so i would appreciate it if you didn't just your average teach says you guys are charged with making a mascot for the wings that can't be an octopus what is it, and why is it a bastardized version of Gritty since they bastardized our logo? Oh, I'm just taking the Little Caesars mascot and making it Danny DeVito. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, a grotesquely, like, accurate human version of that logo, like, messed up proportions and triangle head and all. That's what we want. No, I'm literally just hiring Danny DeVito and deploying him in that uniform in the arena. Yeah, I said the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> James Phoenix says, good day, lads. Whilst in, uh, embracing my part Scandinavian heritage, who are your favorite Swedish, Danish, or Finnish prospects in the Wings pipeline and why? Albert Johansson is one who really excites me. Let's also welcome the Seattle Rain, Ci- Seattle Rain City Bitch Pigeons, officially as team number 32 in the NHL. Um, do we have a Norwegian or Danish prospect off the top of my head? I can't think of any. My favorite Swedish prospect uh, in the Red Wings organization is Lucas Raymond, coming soon. Uh, <laughs> I would go I would probably go go Johansson as well just because I think he's an intriguing and he's a defenseman and I'm I'm a wishful thinker. I will not stand for this Bergeron blasphemy. Uh if you want Finnish uh, Kevin Mackey but I don't know where he stands right now. Uh and, if we're going Finnish I don't know about you but I I'm going to Omisto. No, oh, yeah, I forgot he's Finnish. I forgot about him completely. Uh, what am I doing? Evan, how about you? Um, uh, did you guys say Johansson or, um, no, nah, it was the one I was going to pick. What about, um, who was that? Albin Gray. Albin Grava. Yeah. How did he do this here? I honest, that's the only name I can really he remember. He played six minutes a night and is now coming to the OHL. So how did he play? I didn't He's ask how many minutes he played. <laughs> asked how he played. He's going from the Swedish professional league to Saginaw in the OHL. You fill in the blanks from there. But props to you for picking him. He's feisty. Uh, D Larks says, hey, guys, I was talking with one of the buddies, and he was really surprised when I told him uh, 91 hasn't been retired. Now he says he'll never see – we will never see number 13 and number 40 in the rafters if not number 91 isn't. What are your thoughts? Will we eventually see all three numbers in the rafters? I will still argue Fedorov had a bigger impact on the Red Wings than Datsuk and Zetterberg. Three cups – Three cups, heart trophy, filled in on defense for a period. Uh, I, I mean. And was good. Yeah. Fedorov was Datsuk before Datsuk was Datsuk. It, just not exact play styles, but like so similar. 
before Malkin came around, I would say Fedorov was easily the go-to answer for the best role before Malkin, sorry, Malkin and Ovechkin came around. Fedorov would have been the go-to answer for the best um, Russian player of his era, maybe of all time. You could still make the argument. It might not be correct, but you could make it. Yeah. Um, num- you'll see Zetterberg's number in the rafters 100%. The, the team values impact to the organization. And you can make a very fair argument that he had just as big of an impact as Datsuk. It'll probably take a little bit of softening, but you'll see Datsuk in there eventually. The, the, the ownership group just isn't a fan of how he left the team. And honestly, fair enough. Um, put them in a little bit of a bind, but they did end up with Heronic because of it. So, Malkin's not, not even a top hundred player of all time, and Fedorov is. I was wondering. I was like, oh, he's zoned out. He he didn't come in there with that. Um, I think you'll see all three. Uh, the Fedorov thing is again another. It's a it's a personal disagreement from the people who decide whose jerseys get hung in their arena. Um, but the pressure is there, and I think it'll happen within a few years. Uh, Kwaz says, or Quaz says, just one note. Apparently, the Seattle team will be using a horn from the Washington State Ferries. So, what we heard on the video is what we'll hear in the arena. That's cool as hell. It is amazing. I love it. It's it's just close enough to Vancouver's to throw some shade, but different enough to still be their own thing. I like it a lot. Uh, Joe Delia says, "Hey guys, since the draft is in October and the uh, draft eligibility cutoff is September fifteenth, I wonder what would happen if they moved the cutoff date to the day of this year's draft. The only player I found projected in the first year for uh, next year's draft and falls into this gap is Xavier uh, Borgo. So there's a useless fact for you guys. Anyways, free agent, any free agent other than Hall, you guys really like and would like to see win a cup. Thank you. Uh, so this is the." So, sorry, free agent other than Hall, we would like to see win a cup. Yep. So, like, a pending UFA? Yeah. Uh, you want me to find a couple? I mean, Petrangelo just got his. Uh, as much as I like Tori Krug, I do not want to see Boston win a cup under any circumstance. Um, Man, I... Braden Holpe already has his... I'd like to see Miko Koivu win one, even though, I don't know, if yeah, he, he Minnesota doesn't, doesn't really have count. A chance. Uh, Robin Laner. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one. That'd be good. Yeah. Yeah, let's go with that. Um, okay. Matt McKay says, hey, guys, other than the Wings goal horn, what other goal horn do you guys like? Stay classy from Matt. <laughs> well, Let me, Seattle's now. <laughs> yeah. Let me be clear. I do not like the Red Wings goal horn. They tried to replicate the Joe, and they made a shitty knockoff version. This is... Every knockoff cereal you ever received when you asked for Fruit Loops. That's what the Red Wings' current goal horn is. And their method of fixing it when the fans complained about it after the first year was to make it louder. Terrible. They just need to come up with their own. Um, Goal horns I really like. Uh, I like Montreal. I like Vancouver. I like Seattle's now. Um, I'm one of the few, I think, who actually likes Washington's police siren. I I like that it's unique. Yeah, it's Uh, different. It's different. I'm a, I'm a fan. Um, I'm just trying to think of some of the other bad. Buffalo's is classic good. Uh, I don't know. I can't in my head. I'm just running through all the teams, and I'm like, do I like this one or do I not? I, the thing is, there's not many that I can definitively say I don't like. Right? Like, um. Yeah, no, I don't. What's, what's a, the shorter list would be what's a bad one other than Detroit's? 
Detroit's is a recording of their old one, which is why it doesn't work. And apparently, like they, they don't produce the same kind of horn, and it's hard with acoustics to get it to sound the same way. And I understand all that. And, and my take on it now is just find something different. If yep. it's gone, it's gone. The recording isn't just isn't cutting it. And they might be doing that. We don't know. I don't know. I don't know. The there's always like generic gold horns that are immediately cut off by like a stupid song. I hate when gold horns immediately are, are, are played over by a song. Columbus. Columbus like is cannon? super. I, they, they cut, they have the horn and then they cut so quickly to ACDC and then the cannon. I hate it. I it's like trying the, to slap you in the face with noise. <laughs> yeah. It's like the concept they have could work, but the way they do it, it doesn't. Um, okay, Nick Hill says, I've been recently getting into Rocket League and I've noticed that watching people play, it feels like watching a real sport. Are there any esports that you guys get into? I was um, super into Counter-Strike for about like three or four years. I was Yeah, when big, did you stop? Uh, when I saw some daylight again. <laughs> There's some times when we were like, all right, what time are we uh, recording tonight? And you were like, ah. Uh, have a Counter Strike tournament, and I was yeah. like, "Okay." <laughs> I was a big fanatic fan when uh, they were in their heyday. There's also a team from Sweden called Ninjas in Pajamas. Oh, that's sweet. Yes, very good. So, sorry to get off the topic of e gaming because uh, I'm so interested. But I was just scrolling through Twitter because I'm so out of video games. Nashville tweeted uh, about Seattle's profile. And apparently their caption is now that we have a name, we're strategizing all the ways to draft your favorite player. Yeah. It's hysterical. That's amazing. They, they are on the line of like funny, like down to earth social media team, as long as they don't progress to like Vegas's level. Yeah. Like don't overdo it, but so far they're killing it. Um, okay. Yeah. I don't know. I, I never really got into like the, the professional esports, like watching it, too seriously um for a long time i would just put any gaming stream on in the background i didn't really care what they were playing it was just kind of background noise for me um rc tendy says brad what do you think of the evgeny uh as a late fifth or sixth round pick also what are you guys' favorite fast food burger i don't think anything tops a whopper so with players like oxentiac it's it's tough because to use a red wings prospect for me it's kevin mackey it's you, we know they're skilled. We know they're undersized, but these are guys who are filling a very specific role. He is not battling for 12 forward spots. He's battling for six forward spots. And I don't know if I see enough skill there to bet on him. But yeah, if you want to take a flyer on a late round guy, he's absolutely the type of guy to do it with. I loved when the Red Wings did Kevin Mackey because you know they have skill. And if if that skill continues to improve, hey, you have something here. And if you don't, Oh, well, he was a long shot to begin with. Every sixth or seventh round pick is a long shot to begin with. So, sure. And the best fast food burger is absolutely a Dave's double. Uh, I don't know. I, I kind of get tired. Like, for people who say Whopper and Big Mac, I think they're, the quality is always so poor. And, like, I understand, like, the quality that the burger is supposed to be. But the amount of times I've had stale food from Burger King or McDonald's is, like, absolutely wild. I will go uh, on record as saying that Burger King is the worst fast food place, and it's not particularly close. Hey, Burger King, we don't want your sponsorship, okay? I feel like no. there's a lot more I have, fast food in America, though. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. It's it probably stuff. different, too. You, you want to hear me piss off half of the United States? So no. last time I was in California, I had In-N-Out, and it was Oh, no. Meh. There goes, there goes meh. our listenership. Meh. It was fine. I didn't hate it, but it wasn't anything. I want to try Shake Shack, too. 
I've never had Shake Shack. I've never had Internet. I've had Five Guys. Five Guys was really good. Um, I like any any Harvey's does it here, but any place that'll do a buffalo chicken burger and not buffalo chicken burger as in a chicken burger with some buffalo sauce on top. That's a I chicken want it to be sandwich. That's not a burger. You're a loser, man. No, you're the one trying to pick chicken in a burger question. Oh, oh, so chicken in a food conversation where it doesn't belong. Brad, let Pe- me remind you. A of pizza your- topping could be anything. You could put Reese's Pieces on there. It's still a topping. The question was about burgers. Probably you have to pick a burger. Yeah, you picked a flatbread. That's what you picked. <laughs> <laughs> Evan's going to give up on us one day. <laughs> First of all, you desecrate a buffalo chicken burger. And the fir- I should have known this would have happened because you wouldn't smoke crack with us before the episode started <laughs> in celebration. And now you do this. Oh, no. <laughs> this is my nightmare. I always thought I'd be able to bring Evan in as a swing vote. Oh, I'm all with you, Ryan. Don't get me uh, wrong. I... And a, bu- a good buffalo chicken sandwich is in the elite tier of foods on the face of this earth. I am not arguing their quality at all, but it is not a burger. Well, as Brad um, beautifully dies on yet another hill, I'll move on to the next question. <laughs> Chris Smith says, Rain City Bitch Pigeons just announced they'll change their team name to the Seattle Kraken, and I hate their jerseys. I read it took two years to really solidify the suction cup placement on the S. So I was watching some Connor McDavid highlights and I thought about something horrible. Let's say it's a one versus three with equal qual- equal quality goalies on each team. It'll it'll it will be a make it take it scenario where the play starts in the possession of the team that most recently scored and the game starts uh in the team with one player's end, the one being McDavid, the three being any combination of defensemen that played for the Red Wings last year. That means no cider. Who wins? So it's a one on three. Three Red Wings defensemen against McDavid. Uh, Danny and who's, who's, who starts with the puck? McDavid. Oh, he wins because it's it's Heronic and then uh, your best bets are what? Chalosky and De- no, not Chalosky, sorry. Nemeth and DeKaiser. Yeah. Yeah. Good and luck with that. Three on They're, one. They'll though. never touch the puck. Three on one. They Probably the three because never... it's still a three on one. But if you even questioned it, we suck. I assume Anyways, each team gets a goalie, right? Yeah, equal uh, talent. Yeah, McDavid's winning. Uh, I'm off to accept my award for community leadership. I've worked really hard over my life through volunteering and attempting to create a better culture in my community, and I'm so excited. Don't mean to toot my own horn, but I'm proud of finally being recognized for chasing a woman with my bare ass cheeks in a bar. Oh, that's funny. I was so confused. I was like, I don't understand what's happening. Um, He's doing an Austin Matthews thing. Uh, oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah that's Cam- still dumb cameron swick says science fiction time one theory about alternate slash multi-universes is that a new universe is created for every decision you make for example if i had burger king for lunch very burger king heavy episode a new universe would be created where i didn't have burger king for lunch so in this alternate universe let's say stevie doesn't leave tampa and come back to detroit to be gm is holland still gm is blash still head coach what happens if stevie never came back uh, yes, they both are still in the same positions and quite honestly, not a lot would be different. The one thing that, uh, I think Stevie really changed that Ken Holland wouldn't have is Robbie Fabry wouldn't be a Red Wing. That That's the one move I could go. Yeah, that's a Steve Eiserman only thing because Ken Holland wouldn't have been looking to add this season. And in a lot of ways, 
nor should he have, um, because uh, Stevie's made a lot of swings on players and only one of them hit, but hey, it hit well, so you can't argue. But yeah, that's, I don't see Holland making any of those moves. The team is still a disaster either way. Uh, Kyle Sanders says, well, they did it. The Seattle Kraken is a thing, and I'm all for it. On to the mascot discussion. If the team mascot for Seattle isn't a vaguely phallically shaped squid creature called Phil McCracken, then what's this all been about? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to F1. Da, da, na, 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 na. He says, Ryan, do your best to mimic the F1 theme song. Ferrari is a burning cesspool right now. What would you say their NHL equivalent is for a team that was supposed to contend but instead turned to trash? My nomination is San Jose. Uh, San Jose is good. Toronto, a lot of years probably would have been a better example. Any year where Toronto has this roster and doesn't win, that's Ferrari. Um, also Renault bringing back Alonso is pretty hype and I don't know how to feel about it. Max going from running into the wall before the race to second place was pretty wizard. As a Red Bull fan, I flipped my shit. And finally, Vettel, where is he going? Is it going to be Aston Martin next year? Who knows? Maybe a quick trip over onto Williams. That would be cool. Or is he going to hang it up? Golf guy predictions on where Sebastian Vettel is going to go next year. Um, I, some of my friends who are F1 fanatics said they would hope BMW makes a team and he goes there. Oh yeah. BMW wants to come back but then That's great. But I don't think it's very likely right now. I don't know anything. So that was just what the only bits of information I have. I think they'll be happy to, to that you gave a genuine answer. Um, I think the answer is Aston Martin and the, they're going to have to buy out Perez and cause Lance Stroll um isn't going to be get kicked off his dad's team um anywho cream cheese is just cow fudge change my mind bye well well i won't stop eating cream cheese austin hoiser says gents let's say a cap strap team wins the first overall pick toronto vancouver etc what are the chances they trade the one in a bad contract to move back to four and gain their much needed cap relief zero less than zero is this thinking too far outside the box that team still gets a top four pick and we get Lafreniere? Also love the Kraken name and sweaters. Can't wait to go catch a cephalopod bowl at the crack house in Seattle. Let's go Red Wings. Um, they'll keep Lafreniere until his uh, his rookie contract runs out and then they'll move everyone. Tavares, a Marner, a Nylander, anyone but Lafreniere. You don't move Lafreniere at this point. You make him a firm part of your core unless he falters, in which case... Hmm um okay michael barry says uh, hey guys since it's a mock draft thread i'm gonna try to get brad to move lucas raymond down from four one how do you respond to the fact that leas anderson scored more points than lucas raymond in the shl in their respective draft years ice time brad, that's, uh and, and, <laughs> and then he and if parentheses brad he says if brad brings up ice time make sure to mention that Falunda finished seven and 14 uh seventh of 14 and ask him why raymond didn't play himself into a more prominent position uh, because teams with talented rosters still manage to underachieve, and he was a 17-year-old in a professional league. Do you think he earned the trust of his coach? No, because he's a 17-year-old small-skilled forward who is still learning a lot in his defensive zone. Even I will not praise his defensive work yet, and when you're playing in a men's professional league, yeah, the coach has to be able to trust you at both ends of the ice. Number two, Brad, how about uh, how much ice size factors into how good Raymond looked on the ice? Because when Cole Perfetti played on the same ice in the 2019 Holinka Gretzky Cup, he lit it up scoring 12 points compared to Raymond's seven points in the 2018 Cup, and Raymond didn't participate in the 2019 Holinka. Um, Raymond also looked incredible on North American ice, so I don't think it really matters for either of them, if I'm being honest. Uh, 
Third, finally, player development. What is harder to develop, skating or shooter, shooting ability? For me, a, players can always, a player can always improve their um, skating ability as they can meet with a skating coach or work out in the gym, especially Perfetti as he looks like a 13-year-old, whereas I believe shooting is a much tougher uh, skill to develop, and Perfetti already has the edge on Raymond. So, I actually agree with that inherently. So as someone who's currently trying very hard to improve on both, it's harder to improve on skating. Because you can always get stronger, but strength helps your shot. I, I would say in the last two years where I, again, I'm just relating this to myself because of course that's going to make me bias. I have had way more success in improving my shot than my skating, but admittedly my skating's always been a little stronger than my shot. So I had more room to grow on the one end, but I mean, skating technique, when you get going and you have the puck on your stick. It is very hard to focus on what's happening with your feet when you're focusing on what's happening around you. And it's easy to say, well, yeah, that's why you, when you're not in a game situation, of course you're right. And you try to form the habits, but it is, that's why when you see a lot of scouts say, yeah, he's a fine skater, but his stride breaks down. That's what's happening there. And it is a lot harder to fine tune skating. You can, anybody can develop a shot. And I do mean anybody. It will never be to the level of, Patrick Laine or Alex Holtz, but you can make it a weapon even if it's not. Um, Sam Bengston says, release the Kraken. Jonathan uh, Melhuish. Um, sorry, Jonathan, if I'm saying that wrong, but welcome. You're a new a new patron, so welcome to the Dubbed Up family. Says, hi, guys. New fan of yours from England. If there's only one rule in hockey you could change either on ice or contracts, what rule would you change and why? Um... A dull one would be to move players to unrestricted free agency sooner. I think the opposite because I'm a fan of parody. But, uh, I mean, I, I'll i die on this hill. Offside and goalie reviews are the worst thing that's happened to hockey in the last five years other than, you know, the pandemic. Just get rid of them. Get rid of them. If the naked eye can't tell, it didn't impact the play. Isn't there something going on with all the Toronto signing bonuses, like all the monies and signing bonuses or yeah. uh, performance bonuses or something? Yeah. And people are pretty upset about that most of the time. Because it makes cash rich teams more able to sign uh, free agents to lucrative deals. Yeah. I could get rid of that. Um, cognitive test says good day dud duds. Well, 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 Mr. Ryan Hannah prick show. Would you like to use this time to issue a formal apology for your heinous comments last episode about the hashtag elite one? Show a backbone, own your mistakes, and grow as a person. Uh, I, I honestly can't remember what I said about Darren Helm. I believe I call him, called him overpaid. Uh, to all the Darren Helm stands, I am sorry purely because I'm scared of you. You are horrifying people, and the way you think makes you unpredictable. I do not wish to be on your bad side. I fear for my life. You're weak. That's the totality of my apology wakey wakey cop guy and golf guy prick guy is going to say the following then you need to repeat it ready person woman man camera tv person woman man camera tv what come on golf guy i but I, I wasn't even <laughs> listening yeah well you failed very excited for the seattle kraken to begin playing at the crack den in front of the diehard fans aka the crackheads i assume travel permitting you'll have a new meetup in seattle for the first cephalo cephalopod bowl after all i saw a cop guy uh, buying fancy expensive new gear and getting ice time on a private rink so clearly the old patreon bank account is overflowing with riches if i told everybody the deals i got on those they would 
shoot them. I know what those seals are. It's disgusting. Yeah, you got it. It's disgusting. I paid basically nothing for them. It's amazing. We will will be going to Seattle, definitely. Once we are allowed to. Speaking of the Patreon account, you want to go to Seattle? Yeah, uh, we're going to have to beef up that Patreon shit to make that happen. Have you seen our dollar against the American dollar lately? Woo! Woof. Jersey time. Most favorite and least favorite parts of the new Kraken jerseys. What would you have changed to improve it? Um, change the blue color scheme to a more of a green color scheme and then maybe beef up like the, the red pinky parts of it. But other than that, um, I love the home jerseys. I, the one thing I would change is on the road jerseys. I don't like the blue cuff at the bottom of the sleeve. I would have just had the bars and then go back to white. The blue cuff looks a little weird to me. I'm, I'm nitpicking of course, but yeah, I would have just had it white all the way to the wrist. I like it the way it is. It's their first iteration of their jerseys. And I think they hit a home run. Favorite part is either the space needle in the anchor or the negative space tentacle. I think it's a negative space tentacle. Um, Advanced Water says, I think we can all agree we're disappointed Seattle didn't call their team the Rain City Bitch Pigeons, but I guess they could always get the AHL team to adopt the name. Joseph Fournier says, choo-choo, all aboard the Jake Sanderson train. Get her done for Sanderson. That's all I got. How about a quick round of bold take or BS? Is this bold take or BS? Eisenman will select Nico Dawes no later than the second round. Uh, I'm one of the few in the camp of if he's still sitting there and our late second or our first third round pick, uh, I'd lean heavily to do it unless someone unexpected slips that far. I call that a bold take. I don't think that's completely insane. Jake Sanderson will have a better NHL career than Jamie Drysdale. Bold take. That's it. That's a bold take, yeah. You can't say that's BS. Toronto will not win a Stanley Cup with its current core. Until they fix their defense, I would agree with that statement. Pittsburgh won with a worse defense. No, no, no. They did not have a worse defense. They had a... um, lesser skilled defense that played very well as a unit. And, and they also things, had a Chris Latang. All things coming out of the Toronto early camps is that Frederick Anderson does not look good. He's been just getting lit up. I call it a bold take, but not by much. Um, Owen Power will be the number one pick in 21, 2021. Um, I don't know if his offensive upside's high enough to get him there, but if that rounds out this season with the rest of his tools, oh yeah, that's well within the realm of possibility. Evan Pardo says, what are the things that make you most excited for next season for the Wings? Uh, Mort Sider, Philip Zadina, and Joe Valeno. Prospects. Uh, yes. The, uh, ah, d- uh, fine. We'll go with the non-prospect answer. Finally having a captain. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mark says, well, boys, now that Oscar Lindblom got a 3 by 3 I bet Bertuzzi gets 4 or higher. If the worst player on the team makes $4.25 million a year, Bertuzzi should make at least four point two six. And Ryan, stop begging for mascot. Those are for children and expansion teams, not original six teams with 11 Stanley Cups. Hey, man. This is Sorry, a, I hate fun. This is a game. Hockey is a game. Games are for children. We're professional children. 
Anyways, Brad, I'm waiting for your hockey videos. And Evan, please, no golf videos. Um, a bunch of guys had their GoPros out tonight, so I'm hoping to siphon some of theirs. Uh, n- I was so rusty. 90% of it I would like to throw in the trash, but the like three good shots I took tonight, I'll I'll post them. Yeah, Brad will be editing those in paint for a long while, so you'll make. Oh, I'm not doing anything. He's gonna have uh, Power Man 5000. Let the bodies hit the floor. Has the the, <laughs> the music on the video. <laughs> Oh, the cross uh, blur effect. Every but from every clip, it's just going to be a star wipe transition. It's going to be his Adam House League uh, picture as his as like the thumbnail. The opening <laughs> intro scene is like that blue screen that everyone used to have. The Windows Movie Maker screen. Yeah. Thanks for watching. First of all, Ryan, my uh, Instagram bio picture is a minor hockey league picture of me for the laugh. So I feel attacked. So thanks for yeah. that, dickhead. I'm actually surprised you were ever a child. I thought in wartime when you were born, they weren't you weren't allowed to be a child. You had to instantly become a man and go serve. I just, How was Vietnam? <laughs> eh, wasn't 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 great. Uh, historically accurate. Okay, with that, we're gonna wrap up this episode um, so I can try to sleep at some reasonable hour tonight. Uh, we're going to thank all of our listeners, our name level sponsors, the septic tank of that bitch, Carol Baskins, Greach, Jeremiah Dobo, Jake Kiefer, Lindstrom Stan Club, Brad Smith, Andrew Bohan, Scott Martin, Jacob Turner, Matt McKay, Brandon M, Matthew M Rice, Luke Johnson, Clayton Van Dyken, Kaylin Wood, Hassam Al Qasem, Arjun Shaker, Charlie Elkins, Hanali, Birthday Boy Trev, Chris Ripley, Alex Ott, Ashley Van Conant, Chris Frank, Connor Leighton, Danny Jr., Matthew Keeler, Simon Anderson, Antonio Gracias, John Evans, Kate Urquaz, and Stan Olson. Thank you guys. And we will see you on Sunday. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.